0: I like to move and it. I like to move and move it, I like to move and move it, you like to move it, I like to move
1: and move, I like to move and move, I like to move and move it, you like to.
2: Tomahawk, my little flute benders, and welcome to I like to movie movie, the podcast about movie movies. My name is Garrett Smith. My name is Dan Scully. Thank you so much for that hot intro. Oh, dude, every time we got to do it, we'll we'll explain
0: the bow and tomahawk to our guests in a yeah, moment. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm... Doing br- uh, Brawl and Cell Block Night, it's just it's too mouthy. It's too wordy. It's, too, it's almost as long as the movie. <laughs> <laughs> so Bone Tomahawk works better. Bone the Tomahawk punches. works great. It's Slices the punch. Like it's what we need. Uh, let's get a couple things. <laughs>
2: let's get a couple things out of the way right off the bat. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at I Like Two Movie. It's a numeric two Facebook.com slash I Like Two Movie. Uh, you can email us uh, I Like Two Movie at gmail.com. Uh, please let us know what you thought of the live show we did a couple weeks ago. We want to hear more about that. Get some feedback so we can do some more. And um, I think that pretty much covers all the bases we really need to get out the way off the top, right?
0: Um, I think you should also keep your eyes open. The uh, first wave of programming for the Philadelphia Film Festival is being announced. Uh, the first uh, print of, uh, what are they called, programs yes. are starting to uh, circulate out there. So keep your eyes open. That is going to be in April. Always an exciting time. So... Uh, Keep uh, your eyes on com and com. Yes. A lot of exciting stuff already, and there's plenty more to be announced. So stay tuned for that. Yeah, we love that festival.
2: Uh, Mm -hmm. And uh, you've been a part of it the last, like, two years, right? Yeah, Yeah, yeah. I think we're going to have you do some coverage this year, and I hope. Yeah, I'm going to try. I'm I'm excited. I would like to. Uh, So, all right, without further ado, uh, we've been kind of teasing this for a couple of weeks, a couple of episodes. We have some pretty exciting guests for you today. Uh, Welcome to the show, the composers of films that, if you're listening to this show, you've probably watched, like Blue Ruin, Green Room, Wheelman, and uh, I Don't Feel at Home in This World Anymore uh brooke blair and will blair known as the blair brothers welcome gentlemen hello oh, thanks for having us <laughs> thanks for coming uh I, this is probably not going to help the audience but uh brooke what do you sound like this is brooke and will what do you sound like this is brooke <laughs> <laughs> i knew that wouldn't help curveball uh, i've lost yeah Fuck this. welcome to the show gentlemen thank you guys so much for being here we really appreciate it Thank you for having us. Uh, yeah, this uh, is fun. Now you guys are local. It turns out you're Philly local. We got you here in the kitchen, which is pretty exciting. Kitchen <laughs> studio, yeah. Studio. <laughs> kitchen studio, right? Studio. Sorry, studio. That's where we are. Uh, uh, but uh, I was I was just talking to Brooke before. You guys are from Virginia originally. Originally from Northern Virginia,
3: um, right outside DC. Yeah, and then, but we've been here since two thousand one. Two thousand one. So um, Philly's home now. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yes. Uh what, what brought you guys to Philly initially? I'm, I'm curious. Well, we were playing in a
4: band at the time. Um, we were in school in Richmond, Virginia, and, and joined a band that was already kind of in full swing, and then uh, got got going with that band. We were touring quite a bit in the southeast, and then decided to try to expand like the circle up into the north a bit, and we sure. played Philly a couple times in New York, and then um just felt like making the move, so the whole band, five of us, moved up to West Philly and got a house, and quickly broke up like within like with
2: less than a year i think of moving up here and then yeah. you're kidding five musicians got a yeah, house together that, that and shit it didn't work. work out at all yeah i don't buy it, it was,
3: we're doing fine until then but yeah i think and then um i don't know there was like enough creative opportunity here that we were all like let's well, let's go do just something around, else yeah. started another band so i mean ah. our background is just sort of playing in bands with each other yeah with, with our friends um learning to write and record different things on our own which sort of Got us into what we're doing now, which was um, Blue Ruin. Yes.
2: That's what I f- wanted to ask. Yeah, not a first feature- transition
3: from bands to, to composing. So, Jeremy Saunet, we grew up in the same town. Okay. And we're yep. old friends, family friends. Um, he's, of course, friends and collaborator with our oldest brother, Macon. Yes. Um, Dan and I are big fans. Yeah, cool. <laughs> um, and so we did a short. Uh, Jeremy was at NYU Film School when we were in college. We did his short. For thesis short film, mm-hmm. um, and Macon's senior
2: thesis, yeah, as well. a handful I
3: mean, of little shorts here and there. And then Jeremy's first feature, Murder Party.
2: I've I have not seen Murder Party. I mean, list. it's like
3: it's cool to go back and see his, <laughs> yeah, um, to, to see it.
2: Um, I, I've heard good things about that movie. People, it's, it's it's fun. people it's talk fun. it up, yeah. it's a good Halloween movie.
4: Wait, yeah. Wait
3: till til October and put it on, watch it Halloween afternoon, yeah. and perfect. Just, um, and that was, I mean, we had been fans of film and. They didn't ask us our whole background, and I'm just diving right into oh, it. Please, please. This is fine. I'm um, fast. Podcasting is a long form media. so just yeah, yeah. go yeah. fucking crazy. Yeah. Um, and then
0: so, when I was 12. Yeah. Yeah. When did yeah. you first hear music? Yeah, yeah. Okay. What did it feel like? <laughs> um,
3: my heartbeat, a warm heartbeat. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Jeremy's first feature that we were still in a band, yeah. and, and we literally had to turn to the bandmates and say, so Apparently, there's this movie that needs music, and we don't know how to do it, and we're being told that this is what we're going to be doing, because Jeremy's like,
2: you're doing it. Your were you just the only musicians
4: that Jeremy knew? So he was like, yeah, you guys can a, do the music. A from little bit, bit of that, and we I guess we kind of recorded enough material on our own. Sure. Like yeah. Some like oh, solo, he, he solo had record. the experience. Yeah, at least like roll they, roll could, it. they could kind of get around on some home recording. I think that was a little bit, maybe. I think in lieu of like
3: <clears throat> a payment, there was a little invest- <laughs> investment in like a laptop. Oh, like a, a and Mac, pro tools uh, it was pro tools too. it was like an early pro tools and um mm-hmm. that's right and um because
4: no, like, we were literally we were literally doing like the vcr hit hit record uh-huh. on on the right. on the 16 track and hit play on the vcr and james like that's that's not going to work so <laughs> yeah. he's yeah, like was. We we're going up to pro tools right. that's right we were trying to yeah. sync with with the vcr that was the first version of the scored murder party which just got like completely <laughs> yeah. Yo, it was right. like no we're going to start over again and he he bought us pro tools and that was that kind of like on off off and running yeah.
3: And I had like an ASR 10, which is just this like old school, like hip hop sampler. Sure. And that was like, we're like, let's figure out how to score a movie with the ASR 10, which is just like a bunch <laughs> of Plucky, dinosaurs trying yeah. to um, work. <laughs> but, um, And yeah, and then Blue Room was definitely sort of the next phase, I think, uh, uh, five years later. Um, he sort of regrouped. He continued to shoot films just as a sort of DP, yeah, freelance cinematographer. Yeah, um, and the cool thing about his story was, you know, as working as a cinematographer, he um, he was on set working closely with these directors and in great indie movies. But he he was sort of studying what was done right and what could be done better, mm-hmm. um, just for our scheduling or budgeting or hiring or just making a movie. <sighs> yeah, uh, which set him up nicely for I think Blue Ruin. Yeah, and, and then again, that was right when our next band broke up and we were literally like <laughs> what's next well, what do we do <laughs> and um and you guys are a regular nolan
0: liam gallagher look at you go <laughs> we've been doing it for, yeah we've
3: been working together for a while yeah and um yeah so blue ruin was our was a uh definitely our sort of entryway into sure film composing i think it's just been sort of
2: i imagine it's been kind of non-stop since then A little bit stops stops
3: and then it's like,
4: (laughs) Um, what's next? As far as our efforts, it's been like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, We did kind of like slowly step away from the day jobs after Blue Ruin, and maybe that that was a little premature. We're not quite. I mean, in retrospect, it kind of had to happen. But well, it's it's been it's been kind of a steady steady um, push since then, and a lot of the jobs we've gotten have been directly
2: because of Blue Ruin. Yeah, well, because what so green room is just like two years later, I think, right? Yeah, I think it's it was two, two or three years yeah. after blue. At least its release is like two or three years after mm-hmm. blue ruin. Yeah. I think. Yeah, uh, did pretty, pretty quickly. He he had the, he had the idea for green room
3: before blue ruin. Oh, interesting. Um, he's had that idea for a while, and I think just needed blue ruin was literally like he just he was smart about. Um, I don't have a bunch bunch of money. Yep. Kickstarter just sort of became a thing. He's like, I can do that, I can get a little bit of this. He like maxed out credit cards and refinanced the home. That's the story. Kickstarter <laughs> um asked around a little bit, but basically he bought the camera he wrote a story ar- around his best friend, Macon, yep. who's an amateur actor at the time. You know, the blue car was his father's car. <laughs> that uh-huh. he was donated. Um, he had a small crew that worked for less than they're used to being yeah. paid. Um well, in the yeah, locations a, in that movie are just like yeah. suburban houses and stuff. Yeah. Exactly. Not, yeah. And just spend his time just making it look right and, um, and you know, getting it ready for festivals, which is where it just sort of took off. Yeah. Um, That was certainly my int- like uh, introduction
0: to Saulnier. Yeah. Because I still haven't seen Murder Party. But after that, it kind of became like, okay, we're going to follow this guy. Yeah. And yeah. I think that was sort of the general consensus that has kind of moved his upward swing mm-hmm. into legitimacy and yeah. A24 and all that. Well, I mean, set him up for Green Room. Yeah, yeah, and it
2: really, like, that launched Macon
0: in a big way, too. Like he, you know, I well, friend of the show, Andy, had a great quote about Macon. He said, he's one of those guys that I'm just starting to think that if he shows up in a movie, it can't be all bad. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, like yeah. That's, that's a really good, uh, yeah. you know, non-sequitur for that. When I
2: imagine he gets his directorial debut off of some of the strength of his work in those movies, let alone the shorts that he was making and things like that. Um, right. Because I, I liked yeah. his movie a lot, like, a lot, a lot. And That's a lot, cool. a lot of that comes from his writing too. I think that you know the acting is
4: part of it, but macon has been writing forever. Oh, okay. He says, like he just has scripts upon scripts and projects and ideas, and um, that one just kind of clicked. And he got the got the financing it was pretty pretty smooth sailing getting that done with uh, Netflix. That's so, pretty wild. As far I as don't. like
3: his like creative control or creative you know vision, and, yeah, um, they gave him long leash i think for a first time filmmaker yeah,
4: decent script and it was like that
2: you know, i always hear it. that about netflix as far as them producing something is they kind of just put the money into it yeah let you do what you do with it and then never tell you how well your movie does on their platform yeah. so <laughs> they're like There's look that. we're not going to no put any input in yeah. but you're not getting any output from yeah, us either yeah. like it's, but they let you make the movie you yes, want to make which yep.
4: is, is 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 a cool thing I mean, that that's been a- the case. and give it a
2: legit platform for people to actually exactly. see it yeah yeah, yeah. yeah.
4: Yeah, I think with the the battle
0: of theatrical versus home exhibition. Yeah. Just the the uh as much as I like going to the movies, I love Netflix for just kind of making exhibition possible yeah. for a lot of films that maybe it wouldn't be the case. Agreed. Oh, true. it yeah. might not ever get made. Yes, exactly. Yeah.
4: Yeah. yeah. And they or they have a life that just kind of lives on after what what could be a make or break at weekend in the box mm-hmm. office, you know, they, you know it can kind of stick around and word of mouth can keep a film alive. I know a lot of people that have come up to me just because, like,
0: I championed Wheelman, loved yeah. Wheelman. <laughs> cool. And so a lot of people are like, yo, I finally did watch that Wheelman. It's fucking <laughs> cool, man. <laughs> and, like, it kind of has that buzz of just, yeah. yeah it's fucking cool. Yeah. Like, me and my just dad it watched out. it. Yeah. 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 Oh, that my dad fucking, fucking cool. loved it. I bet. Oh, my God. My dad loved that's it. That's such a your dad oh, it's movie. Such, it's a me and my dad huh. kind of yeah. movie. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And that's
4: another example, too, of just like, here's the budget based on the script and, like, go make the movie you want to make. Yeah. And, and kind of like, I think, very minimal notes. And, yeah. They let, they let, um, Jamie Rush, who's, that was his first film. They kind of let him just do his thing. And, uh, you know, not a huge budget, but, but they made the film they wanted to make. So. Mm-hmm.
2: How did you guys get hooked up with that one? Because this is me talking out of school that's here just from looking at, you know, trying to figure out what you guys have worked on and when and stuff like that. But it's a funny one, actually. Yeah. yeah. The same
3: way as you guys, man. Twitter. Twitter is awesome. Yeah, awesome. It's all on Twitter. It is yeah. the best. Because, really yeah, that's is. the only one. Oh, no, Makin's movie. Makin's movie. Uh, are, I'm sorry. No, mm-hmm. Small Crimes. Yes, a movie right. Movie that Macon wrote, he adapted from a screenplay. Um, might not have gotten made without Twitter. He literally bumped into Evan Katz, the director. Yeah. Um, oh, is he
0: the Cheap Thrills? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay.
3: And Macon like tweeted, like, "I just finished this book, uh, Small Crimes," and and Evan like sees it tweets back, "I love that. It should be a movie one day." And they, you know, they hadn't met before. Yeah. And you know, I think a year and a half later, they were shooting Small Crimes that they're both collaborating on that's
2: one of the only ones i haven't seen from like the list of the stuff that you guys have worked on and i've heard great things about it i'm it's, pretty it's excited fun. to watch it's it one, it's fun yeah. if
3: you like what like Macon's movie and stuff, yeah i think it'll it'll fit right in um, yeah but yeah some of the producers involved in wheelman were fans of green room and tracked us down on twitter or we just sort of popped wow. up in their in their twitter
4: thing and yeah joe carnahan, joe who, carnahan. who directed the gray yeah and, and uh he's an executive producer you just Hillman. yeah i think he just
0: oh that's where you met up with gorilla i would imagine yeah. Yeah. so well, they're yeah. but they're, they're like best buds yeah. oh nice. now they have
4: yeah. war party a production company so oh, they okay. joe party. found uh-huh. this uh-huh. <laughs> of course joe carnahan runs <laughs> yeah. a company called war party <laughs> yeah, <right? laughs> yeah. that's a good step up he's for a good party. following <laughs> he's <laughs> he's <laughs> a too. lot of murder yeah. <laughs> it's <a> War Party.
3: <laughs> so we're very thankful those guys were great and um that's incredible
2: uh, By the way, I really liked your score for Wheelman. I I, I think of all this, I like spent this week listening to a lot of your, like, really listening to a lot of your scores. I really like Wheelman, like a lot. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, It's well. I kind of want to get into this too uh, because this is kind of part of my interest in talking to you guys. Is um, I have very limited experience with. I played in bands in college. That's as far as my (laughs) music knowledge goes. Uh, And I'm I've always been fascinated with the way score works in movies because it. I think works differently in different movies. There are different kinds of scores that work in different ways. Um, uh, uh, before you got here, Will, we were talking with Brooke about like sort of the the old Hollywood axiom of like the emotionally manipulative score, mm-hmm. the sort of louder, more bombastic, guiding you emotionally through the movie score versus this kind of more modern, kind of subtler type of scoring. Uh, and I, I noticed with your scores, they seem to run more that sort of newer... Uh, school of thought, I guess, on score, on being a little more subtle, a little less specifically melodic with, you know, uh, uh, recognizable themes and things like that that you might hum after the movie. Is that a choice that you guys made? Is that like where do you guys come down on that? I'm just, I kind of want to talk about that in general, that Mm -hmm. idea of these different kinds of scores and why you guys gravitate that that way. Like I I brought it up because Wheelman seemed like it stood out a little bit from your other scores. It has that same kind of atmospheric drive to it. But it also has these, more, it's a little more guitar, there's like a, a driving guitar through a lot of it that's a little more like a memorable melody, there's, you know, it has a little more of that well, it's, like it's melodic It's more driving drive. music. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it's driving yeah, yeah. music,
4: yeah. Actually, that's something I think we we tend to look out for those kinds of projects and also push for more to, to insert a bit more musicality maybe. But I, I think a lot of getting started was based off of, <clears> like we said earlier, getting, uh, job's kind of based off of Blue Ruin, which is definitely minimalistic and atmospheric and yes. The marching orders for that one was like we need to be invisible and just completely moody and sink in with sound design and kind of background. So and to be honest, that's that's not even necessarily how Will and I approach music. I mean, I think if we sat down with, you know, a piano or a guitar, we would probably come up with something melodic and emotional and a bit more involved and, and but then everything after that, all the kind of jobs that came after that, we were asked to kind of keep doing a lot of that, um, and so, which is great because we're getting we're getting jobs. But a lot of it was was let's stay in that world, and, yeah. and we keep looking for jobs that um, we get to expand a little bit and, and try new things, try new instrumentation, work with other instruments um, and players, and but with the
3: ruin, um, <coughs> to, like to Jeremy's credit. You know, not being a a musician, a composer, um, but knowing like exactly, um, kind of like beat frame by frame, beat for beat, what the score needs, um, and finding a way to explain it to us without like sharing a musical vocabulary necessary. Like he taught us quite a bit, and like how to just approach it. And his approach in general was like like no percussion or mm-hmm. very little percussion of drums. Let's not do the big. You know, Hollywood trailer coms that just bum 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 that imply danger coming. Let's uh-huh. find another subtle way to do it. Um and he wasn't anti melody, but it's but it was just he he wants it obscured and subdued. And I think we did some first passes and some early versions for Blue Ruin that like our first inclination, inclination was like too Probably musical and too, too melodic, big. interesting, yeah. and mm-hmm. didn't quite have the experience to like step back and say, "Is that helping or is that distracting?" And right. Very quickly, he's like, "It's distracting. Let's start over. Yeah, yeah, and let's just take it down a notch." Um, but he would help us with getting out of the way, like uh, any sort of structure, like getting married to some sort of structure and how that should follow musically. He's like, "Yes, there's no structure. You follow the picture, right?" Um, and so that in in and of itself makes for less repetition, less like memorable melody, and yep. more just like, like a four minute piece of music can just evolve. Yeah. Um, and does this come yeah. is the is there like a cut of the film
0: that you're watching as you do this, or is it just kind of a discussion leads to meeting in the middle?
4: Well, that 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 blue ruin, <coughs> which will explaining is that was an intense process of the three of us, Jeremy in the room with us for like six days, literally around the clock, <laughs> because it had gotten into can right? And and it was... Got accepted. To, that was like the deadline. It was like, well, now this thing has to be done. Yeah. We talking my deadlines earlier. Yeah. That was a deadline. I was like, this has to be done in six days. And um, and so I was just like getting thrown into the pit of fire where, where Jeremy was like in the room with us. And, and Will said it was a it was definitely a learning process. And he was kind of helping us with every decision and that's unique and that i don't think that happens very often and it probably isn't but it was like
3: on the job training yeah oh
4: wait so we don't you
3: have to think about it differently now Mm. so so i think our approaches are so jeremy has helped shape that approach in general and i think we um, are totally open to the challenge of of a film if someone said let's do uh, like you know i don't know throwback yeah 80s you know um, or like a John Carpenter or John Williams or something. Like let's do a Is big that, score. You just said language. the two yeah. names we would yeah. say, I was yeah. like, well, maybe like Carpenter or yeah. John Williams? Yeah. Or, yeah. or yeah. like um, um just like a weird, like a even just a jazzier score or just something with um we're kinda of just open for something different yeah in general. But we we still approach it now, I think, with um let's start with less and if we present early ideas to the director, they might be more um you know, less melodic than we would have done back in the day and then mm-hmm. see how far it's appropriate to sort yeah, of push let you push that melody. Yeah. Yeah.
0: One of the things that we talked about actually before we had the mics on, Brooke you were saying how um you almost have to learn the style of the director's notes in terms of what they mean when can you talk a little bit about yeah.
4: that? Uh yeah, that that was a, that's been a a big part of every film where getting started I guess we, we kinda of start talking about different styles and moods that can fit in the film and a lot of that shows up in temp music and that that's a part of it that kind of gets the conversation going but a big part of it is <coughs> finding the the kind of shared vocabulary and figuring out exactly what a director means when they say i want something warmer i want it heavier um i want 10% more you know, goofy or. They deal there's with percentages a lot. It's, percent become, it's helpful. But everyone yeah, has yeah. their own. I mean, it's literally like every film. Yeah. You start from scratch and you develop a vocabulary with the director. But can you that make kind it of
0: taste more orange? No, no mm-hmm. seriously. It's like, yeah, 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 give me a color. Give we me started a keeping a list yeah. of. Um, I was literally going <laughs> to we ask gonna if, gonna if you make like a glossary yeah. of like.
3: Yeah. We started <laughs> keeping a list and then I was like, let's tweet them out. It was called Things Directors Say. I was it like, this is a bad idea. This is the first way to get us fired. blacklisted. Yeah. But Jeremy, I I remember it. It was the he we weren't scary enough and he said, I just need an impending I need an impending dome of air what was it? Um a, yeah a yeah. dome of air. An impending dome of air or something. <laughs> Sorry, it was yeah. ridiculous. But <laughs> it was just like he just was. needs more he needed more scary intents from yeah. us and he he's not gonna find a musical way to say it. He's gonna find like colorful, emotional way to say yes. it, which yeah, is normally cool, helpful. Though. It's normally helpful just to talk like, let's just not try to talk about what do you want it to make, make instruments you feel and like. Yeah. And yeah.
4: Yeah. Um, one was, I need, I need more skid chords. Ski- it's yeah. like, skid chords. I don't, I mean, there's nothing in the musical yeah. realm that's like yeah. that. that, that you oh, skid, I know I exactly hear what that this. means, though. So so you skid okay. on a bike. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so then, yeah, we have to take that and translate that into, at this moment, we need a skid chord. And then once we all know what the skid chord is, then later in the film, it's like, we need a bigger skid cord <laughs> yeah. here. Like get oh, we rid got of that it. skid cord. We got Goofy record over. scratch over here. Yeah. We need
0: some more <laughs> of uh, that in movies, please. Yeah.
3: We can start a band called Skid Cord. We play we play one thing <laughs> yeah. pretty well. Like I like it, it's real rough. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you're skidding. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um I was listening to at work today the score that you did for magicians. I don't even know what that uh, is. Yeah. But that's much more melodic. Oh yeah. And it was very uh, it it very much invoked the feeling of a carnival. And uh so, you know, I don't know I don't know what I'm saying about it, but kudos to that. Well, it was very melodic. In, yeah. And as soon as, I don't know what magicians is, but as soon as I is listened that a sci-fi to it, show? I was like, it's a, doc, I really it's a documentary about funnel cake. Talk about, just that, about, oh, okay.
3: about um almost even less about the magic and more about the four magicians like the um uh, follow the life of and the the career at varying levels of success of these. Is it on Netflix? It's it's on Netflix now.
4: If it's still there, yeah. It definitely made it on. You know, the films always get on Netflix and they bounce to Amazon. But it it might still be there.
3: Documentaries are fun because (coughs) you can work on a piece of music that's four minutes of someone just interviews, talking heads, just sort of like explaining the story. and, And you might just be sort of a bed that's tucked in underneath it. But at other times, you can really find ways to explore more melody without being like distracting. Yeah. Right. So, Magicians was a good example of that. Well, it's
2: like you know, the, the it's one of those beautiful things that can happen in a documentary. But you capture like a very real moment of somebody saying something that might ultimately be the big thesis of the movie or whatever. And you know, then you can use score to kind of like emphasize those moments uh-huh. and stuff. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's pretty interesting. Uh, I, well, I was gonna pay you guys a similar compliment because I I finally got to listen to the. Um, uh, I don't feel at home in this world anymore score. And that is really interesting and cool. I think that
0: might be my favorite of all the research that I did later I, to this episode.
2: I especially love, and I'm not <laughs> going to remember the character's name now, but it's her theme. Um, it's the very bouncy detective. Oh, Ruth. Ruth, Ruth Ruth's yeah. theme. Ruth's is, theme yeah. I, literally, I, I don't know how to describe what that music is. It but It reminds I've, me of Twin Peaks. I've been trying bit. to tell yeah. people for years, like, do you know any music that sounds like detective movies <laughs> yeah, yeah, i want yeah, yeah. all of it uh, that's <laughs> all i want to listen yeah. to yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah and that theme is like quintessentially that boiled down to just like 3 perfect minutes you know what oh, i mean cool. it's like
0: <laughs> and it also kind of suits her character yes. as yeah. sort of a, a hapless detective oh, yeah. who doesn't have the skills but certainly has the the determ- she wants to give yeah. someone a talking to it could, it could to be like that was precisely makin's vision
3: and again to his credit like um it was very clear he had a piece of temp music that he chose that was yeah um he, he said, Do your own thing, but this is definitely the vibe we're going for. And it's exactly what you just said. You know, um uh she's got the gumption and she's she's feeling like a badass. She doesn't know what she's doing quite yet. Yeah. Um and have a little like seventies Motown like soul. Yeah, there's a throwback of it. So it so um sure. uh, we got John Natchez who plays in a band called War on Drugs. Oh yes, uh, I know them. He played all the baritone baritone sax
4: baritone and, and we, have, we have tenor
3: a bunch of saxophones yeah, a bunch of saxophones he um with. and his sort of job was like your ingredient is to be kind of like this badass saxophone solo but also at times just be farty and wrong <laughs> yeah yeah because yeah. ruth's like oh yeah i don't know what i'm doing you just like uh, miss it a little bit exactly not, yeah, yeah yeah so he make an encourage like a, a pretty messy um imperfect jangly score just to uh, which I think got tightened up a little bit as Ruth's character. Um, yeah, there's a there's like, a second part confidence. to her theme the, that the comes replies, later in yeah, the. the uh, it's a little little more like, all right. Yeah, yeah. she has more confidence, so yep. they just a little more like balls and as
2: the, as the score progresses. Yeah. yeah I I uh, I it was like a real joy getting to listen to all those scores this week actually. It was oh, pretty cool. cool. And it was really neat to be able to actually listen to like a progression of you guys as composers like through those albums. Um, even just the jump from Blue Room to Green Room is very interesting. Oh, I wanted to ask, did you guys write the music for the Ain't Rights in that or yeah. you're just the score parts? Just the score. Just yeah, the score. Ain't Rights was um, one of Jammy's buddies who he
4: played in uh in bands with in high school and some of those were
2: some of those so- songs
3: are just there twenty plus years, oh,
4: 25 year old punk rock songs yeah. from his wow from, from his youth, like youth, right? Um, and they had a band re record. Like, I think a band in um, Out West re recorded a lot of those yeah. for the film, but they were they're based
2: off of like high school demos, pretty yeah. much. Fucking like a, uh, that's school. cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, right on. And I think that actor did the vocals on them. If he did. I remember right, reading yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
3: And um, most of them could play um. Anton uh, was a musician and could play guitar and bass, mm-hmm. so like, did that well. And I think, um, um, I know who you're trying to say because I heard that she is also. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, um, They, is, um, they, um, they all, kick. they kind of did like a quick, quick, like, be quick. Be yeah. I think Joe Cole, the drummer, was the only one with no
4: experience. And but he, they did like a quick little boot a camp, a, and I think at the rap rock and party, they played a couple tunes. Sane <laughs> oh, <laughs> rights, oh, cool. and like, he, they got through them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's punk rock, so it can be rough on yeah No, they did
3: a great job. We were um like, Oh yeah, we, we always we offer Jeremy <laughs> notes or uh, like, got like not advice, but just hey man, think it was, about it this. Our, think it was our turn that.
4: to kind of like get kind of you know. And it was unsolicited, this. but we were like, <laughs> just as
3: like music nerds, like the worst thing in a music movie is when it looks like they don't know how to play their instrument. Oh god, we'll yeah, even if yeah, it takes like, you out, or of way. even a, if they yeah, do, a but second. in the edit, like someone chops a few frames, and it's yep. like, ah, oh, they didn't hit the symbol there. because I heard yeah. the symbol.
2: Or um, it's over edited because they don't know how to, you know. So like yeah. we get tons of close ups of fingers on piano keys, right. but we never get it's the like shot some other we can old dude. Yeah, yes, no yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, <laughs> it's just bad? like too many insert shots <laughs> yeah. and no wide shots right. of anyone you know actually playing anything. Yeah.
0: And it's not even the best movie. Uh, but It's probably poor form to even be invoking the name of Woody Allen. But Sweet and Lowdown, I've never seen I that. Uh, love that. And I love that movie, but. Sean Penn has never touched a guitar, just, <laughs> and it is so clear. Really, and so yeah, and the music's great. Yeah, and he, he's just like, if this is the neck of the guitar, he's just holding it like this and playing. And yeah. I'm like, this is uh, this hurts uh, yeah. me to watch. <laughs> and, you know, yeah, I'll does, give I'll give props to um,
4: Ryan Gosling in La La Land. Agreed. Oh, yeah. he, he well, pulled in that the off. the same well vein, well, uh, Miles Teller in Whiplash. Yes, oh, he right. was that, only yeah. like an amateur drummer, yep. and they managed did enough around that really well, like kind of
2: like like. Yeah.
4: And I invest in and work it out yeah. enough. To, That's uh to Elijah
2: Wood's in that movie Grand Piano, uh written oh, by I the same that guy flick. that wrote uh uh like the title we just said. Yeah. The Drummer movie. Yeah, Whiplash. Whiplash, the same writer uh he wrote Damian... this movie Grand Piano. Uh, Damien Chazelle, yes. yeah. Uh, and Grand Piano's is cool. It's like a, it's almost like a a thriller from the '90s that somehow didn't get made until 2016. Mm. It has like oh, yeah. a very odd I like. As soon as yet.
0: I put it on, it was like two in the morning HBO at my parents' house in 1993. <laughs> yeah, it just it has <laughs> that vibe, that. but
2: it's a whole mo- the whole movie takes place at a concert where. Um, uh, uh uh Elijah Wood is playing uh, like concert piano and the whole movie takes place during his concert. Mm. And so it's just Elijah Wood having to play these like really like interesting pretty complicated wow. pieces of music and he's doing it I mean I don't know how much he actually knows how to play piano but he's doing it it's enough that impressive. you you buy it the whole right. way through. Well and the yeah.
0: whole thing is he's under the threat of if he messes up even one note oh, a right. sniper's going to take oh. him out. Yeah. And right. so it it's kind of essential to the film that it has that's, to look pretty precise right. because that's wow. part of the tension yeah. Yeah. and then the, uh,
3: and then i imagine whoever composed the music itself was just like feeling the, the same pressure yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. this has got to be like tense but yeah it's got to be uh, thrilling it's got to be that's good an interesting, but it's got to be difficult yeah. and like yeah so and it, jeremy was like all right i'm going to i'm going to spend a couple extra days with them to like get really it really right. get them right it, look, yeah. it looked it looked totally it, legit.
2: It you buy yeah. it in the movie or i do anyway yeah. yeah i i i really like that movie that is really effective filmmaking. Mm. It's so good. Dude, when that, spoiler for Green Room, when that shotgun comes out like two-thirds of the way through the movie oh, from yeah. behind the bar, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. that is, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, I've never, I am classically like pretty good at keeping my mouth shut during the movie. Well, that, you know, like not being overly reactive, I screamed like, out oh, loud shit. in the movie theater when that happened. <laughs> I, so, I mean, got an ab a... exercise at that one. <laughs> yeah. I was like,
0: cause I was like holding in my shit the whole time. Yeah. Like... <laughs> but also like a
3: perfect example of Jeremy's attention to detail with, Every department, not just like writing, editing, filming, but like um, visual effects. Yeah. And he showed us the composite of, spoiler, you know, but the, of how they put that shot together where his head. is like Yeah. Um, and it totally just sells it. Like,
2: he really just got shot in the head out oh, of yeah. nowhere. It's crazy. Yeah. That is one of the most memorable, like, movie moments I've had of like the last <laughs> five years or so, was sitting in the theater watching that happen.
3: Yeah. Do
0: you ever run into notes like that where a director will say, okay, here, a shotgun's going to come out and someone's head's going to explode. Music that for me. Is, is that a <laughs> thing? You know, like, I, I don't know. I'm an outsider. Is that a thing? Because I find that's happening less and less in movies where the music either telegraphs some kind of a reveal right. or punctuates it. There's um, not a lot of stings anymore. There's not this, a lot of stings. Yeah. And oh, right. Usually it comes in the in the sound of just, uh, like, something that is, uh, what's the word, diegetic to the scene. Right. You know, a shower yeah. curtain pulls open or something like that.
4: But there... I remember a time where, a bah, you know, duh, yeah. the, the killer's well, eyes over. whatever. A, there's a huge shift in, in in sound design playing such a role nowadays, where like mm-hmm. it's just putting the viewer in the space mm-hmm. is just as important as score, and, it, and it's almost like the. And that was another thing we learned working with Jeremy was, you know, just just how powerful, just like the subtle sounds can be, mm-hmm. you know, and and you don't need the big stings, you know. It's almost like. Sometimes, and that was our inclination a lot of times was to kind of ramp up to something like, you know, telegraph it or kind of react to it mm-hmm. in the score. And um, that's almost like overkill at times. Just, mm-hmm. just just having the sound of something happening is way more powerful mm-hmm. yeah. than the score, like kind of having to drive it home. You know?
0: I tend to notice score more when it's not being overtly thematic. I notice yeah. it more when it drops out. You know, if it drops out of a movie, then I have the same feeling that I used to get when there was a telegraphing noise Mm -hmm. where there's no sound. And suddenly I'm like looking around like, okay, something's up.
3: You know, yeah, Yeah, yeah. I feel like that's kind of become more in vogue. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah, I think just a little less is more again, Mm -hmm. especially if if sound design and other um, sort of post tricks can really sell it Um, to overdo it would just be. Yeah, I think unless no. we're asked to, no, because yeah, then right. we're like, we uh, like, this, you sure? All right, there's we'll a lot of times it.
4: where we're like, we're kind of pushing to not have score, you know, mm-hmm. where yeah, like yeah. the director or, or the editors puts sc- like a temp score, and we're like, I think it might play better with with nothing there. Like we're talking ourselves out of moments, m- mm-hmm. musical moments, but to make the best film, a lot of times it is just the sound of something happening and yeah. being in the moment, and that that plays more as realistic. If you're trying to do something very realistic, and that's I think with Jeremy's films too, he gets a lot of. Um, Comments on how like real they feel, mm-hmm. and, and yeah. that comes from I think not a lot of we're gonna push you in this direction. Things just happen. And it's like this is how it feels. This is how it would feel if you were in the situation. So there's not a lot of big, you know, thematic musical moments, and a lot of that, um, you know, yeah, kind of hits when it when it's when it feels kind of raw. Not not like a documentary, but when it's you know, <laughs> it feels like it. reality. Yeah, <laughs> but, but about
3: the melody, t- yeah. too. Yeah, that we talked about like. With Jeremy just sort of leaning more towards, you know, atonal, surging, yep. pulsing uh, energy, mm-hmm. r- and how does that become music rather than a, a melodic moment? I mean, if you are if you are trapped in a small room with your friends and Nazis have a like a machete and shotguns and dogs coming for you, <laughs> you're not going to hear. Like you would, like, you just i want to see like danny <laughs> elfman take that i mean you would just hear John like, the, like yeah. you probably yeah. stop hearing what's going on around you you probably hear the blood rushing through yeah. your head and like your veins and, yeah uh, and like a heartbeat is a trick that is that weird vein we all have works. up here that like <laughs> starts bopping yeah. and beating when you get like real yeah. stressed yep. yeah well it was that's a perfect example it was it was blue ruin that we were um we felt like there was a no, again, a no percussion rule because mm-hmm. it's just like we don't need drums to tell us something bad is going to happen. But we needed something to push it along. And no spoiler, but there was like a the bathroom stabbing. Uh, that yes. The end of the sort of first act. Um, and this is a fun story. I texted Brooke. And I'm like, we just need a drum, but it's, it can't sound like a drum. Like it needs to sound muted and lifelike, almost like a heartbeat. Yeah. Just to like raise the tension. Um, and the next day, Julia Black, the editor from Blue Ruin, sent us a wave file, and she said, "I, I was found this sifting through audio stuff, and it's like six seconds wave of the lavalier mic on Macon's chest during that scene where he's wrestling with the killer, um, which caught like six of his heartbeats. Whoa. So, like, like while he was prepping for the scene that we were working on, we yeah. heard boom, boom,
4: boom, 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 boom." So, well, we the oh, it was so we took yeah. a natural fit. That's why. It was a of an elevated heartbeat too, because yeah. he to was like wrestling like. with the yeah. yeah, 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 stuntman yeah, yeah, yeah. the
3: whole time or whatever. Um, so, um, we put we stretched it out or sped it up or something and looped it and yep. and made more of a drum out of it. Um, that's so cool. Just to get something that a drum would do, well, without like relying on the instrument
2: itself. Yeah. Well, and that way you never have to lie and you say no, we didn't put any drums in your movie. Yeah. Yeah. I swear yeah. to God, there's no drums <laughs> there's in your no movie. No drums. Yeah. What does a uh, what does like, your
0: typical setup look like? Let's see, um, like in terms of instruments or what devices you
4: use.
2: Total layman
0: over here. Yeah, have, yeah, but yeah, how, we like have we have a pretty
4: pretty big room in um, in South Philly, um, just a wide open room, and it's kind of set up like stations, pretty much. So we have a you know a desk in the corner with um, three monitors, Pro Tools set up, and then a bunch of. Preamps and I'm microphones, the movie up there, yeah, mm-hmm. a big big screen for the film, and then, um, it's not set up like a traditional recording studio where there's like a control room and then mm. you know another room. It's kind of like everything's set up so that Will and I can be in the in the space and quickly get to the computer, but then kind of have 360, um, you know, setup of instruments around us. So we'll yeah. have you know piano, um, percussion, guitars organs and then um, it's a new
3: it's a new studio and it's like a dream come true because <laughs> this is just f- 6 months now because yeah. prior to that was was not ideal and we couldn't actually we we,
4: already, we were talking earlier that the first studio was in the third floor of my house it was like this little tiny thing which is where we did blue ruin and then we had another studio in Fishtown, which just it was like a little more flexibility but not enough actually yeah. and now did you I'm just, just have like a
3: warehouse space over there it was like a com- it was like yeah.
4: Second floor commercial space. Yeah, okay. I feel like you're in just like a studio apartment yep. almost.
3: Yep. Um, we, we were always sort of concerned about how much noise we could make and a lot of outside noise coming in. Yeah. Um, there's like all those scores you guys listen to. There's septibuses all over it. Oh, yeah. a big, there's a big window. We just have to. How genuine. We have I to filter out like the, very the familiar 45 on, the on Frankfurt Avenue. Dampen right in the city sounds. Yeah. As, I feel like yeah, we're yeah. probably
0: trained not to hear them in the music <laughs> <laughs> because you have to train yourself to sleep through them and
3: stuff. You know? Yeah, yeah. Like right. Just being <laughs> It's wild. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, this is the first piano we have in a room. This awesome. Is the first. Um, we got a bunch, got a couple organs, like some old Craigslist organs. Yeah, cool. Um, and then room for other players, which has been. I imagine uh, that's huge. Awesome, because yeah. we can just. Um, stuff that we can't play, you know. Mm-hmm. We had a viola player over today, a cello player over yesterday. and
2: Awesome. Um, horns and stuff. and. Mm-hmm. Um, I imagine you guys don't get to do the John Williams thing of I'm now conducting an entire orchestra. Like, do you just bring in players one at a time and lay tracks in? Like what's the,
4: we did that
2: more often than not. Yeah. Because it, they
3: all just sort of evolve with um, experimentation, experimentation, getting Mm -hmm. feedback from the director halfway through. And it might be like, we don't want to go in that direction. We want to try something else. So Mm -hmm. we, we find someone else to come play with us or we do a different sort of manipulation of this one sound or whatever. <laughs> uh, a movie called Sweet Virginia that we did um, this time last year. Mm-hmm. It came out um, a few months ago. That was really fun. That was more of a, not a John Williams thing, but more orchestral, more <laughs> yes. of an ensemble thing. I yes. think we had like a, a quintet. Mm-hmm in a room together with conduct- everything charted conducting and, and yeah uh, oh that's, that's cool. what i was going yeah. to ask a much bigger music space or anything yeah in a much bigger room and um right across the bridge in new jersey that had just a huge a room designed for yes. recording orchestral stuff cool and so we did you know um 60 of the score there
2: and then pieced together the rest well, on some our other own. stuff yeah, yeah. interesting Ooh, so, uh, South Philly, did you solve your outside noise we problem? Did. Oh, we totally. did. Yeah,
4: yeah. that was like the big thing. Like, if, we, if we're going to move the studio, we have to yeah. solve those problems. Yeah. Especially. All the noise issues and then yeah. also being, being able to record. So now in the background, you just
2: hear the sounds of like adult kickball leagues. <laughs> <laughs> Is that, uh, actually yeah, actually do, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> funny uh well so, okay so uh one of the things that you guys brought to us today uh is the movie mud yeah uh which is a jeff nichols movie from 20 2012 2012? yeah yeah mm-hmm. uh possibly the beginning of the reconnaissance somewhere in there <laughs> oh right? that was like that was like I right in so, the heart yeah. of the reconnaissance right? yeah. yeah uh and uh <laughs> we, we had been kind of chatting over email about like what we wanted to do for a movie together as a group and I'd kind of floated the idea of, you know, uh, since we want to talk to you guys about your music and, and what you do, it might be interesting to talk about something where you guys think it has an interesting or effective score. Uh, and you guys came back with Mud. I, I assume somewhat on that criteria, uh, and uh, I'm interested to talk about that. But I'm also like very interested to just talk about Mud because I had never seen it, and Mud was great. It cool. was, yeah. yeah. First time
0: I watched um, Mud, it was, I guess it was probably 2012. It was New Year's Eve, and I drove... We planned our trip to New Orleans poorly because we left on New Year's Eve. Oh, yeah, that's a good and idea. And drove like 23 hours, and I drove the whole thing. And so I got Ouch. home, and I didn't want to fuck up like my sleep schedule. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to put on a movie. And I put on Mud, and I'm much harsher on movies when I'm very tired, mm-hmm. and I I hated it. I was like, <laughs> why, why is everyone so hype about this? I'm going to sleep. And I just kind of always dismissed it, but I love everything else that Nichols has touched. Yeah. And so then I watched Mud this week, and like it's it's perfect yeah, <laughs> yeah totally perfect i was blown away i loved it so more sleep in my life right? yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah that's way the answer. better yeah.
3: yeah uh but it's I, like tired tomatoes instead of rush. yeah <laughs> i give it 10 tired tomatoes <laughs> oh, turn it off
0: i was feeling tired and i was just filled with like crawfish and beer and
2: just oh, <laughs> <brr>. <laughs> it, was,
0: it was a hard week it was a good week yeah. <laughs>
2: hard week uh, so I don't know really where I want to start with this. I mean, we can definitely start with the music angle if you guys want, or uh, or we can really just jump around. It's it's kind of up to you guys.
3: I want to hear what you guys think of the movie itself. Sure. I think off. I think we sometimes come at things from a, I don't know, from a like see how they get put together i want to know what you guys based on your taste what you thought of it especially the second time around when you're well, the one more thing rested I at least,
0: well yeah it was more rested i mean it was just a better movie i I think all of the the sort of fantastical elements played better this time around because i wasn't mm-hmm. just like oh fuck that it's oh how convenient you know doing yeah. that whole thing but seeing as it all kind of had a thematic resonance and the yes. way everything tied together the the heightened nature of it made it feel more like a childhood tale mm-hmm. and so Purchasing it under that coupon worked a lot better for me, but music-wise, the thing that stuck out to me huge was that in scenes where I expected to hear music, there was none, right. and in scenes where I typically would not hear music, there was a, you know an engaging score to it. So it was kind of offbeat and off rhythm like that, and that drew me
2: in in a way. Mm-hmm. I uh, I loved it, and I like the. <laughs> So, one of the things I thought was interesting about it is that the story of Mud, like the character Mud, is like kind of a almost like a cheap, cheesy adult thriller, right? Um, that uh, again, like talking about just like 90s adult thrillers, like I expect I would have seen in 1995 or something. He's I mean, exactly the dude that if you were a 14 year old kid, you'd be like, he's so cool. <laughs> exactly. Because yeah. that's the other half of the story, then, is actually it's the story of, and now I can't remember the main character's name Ellis. The, the Ellis. Oh, yeah. It's the story of Ellis, really. Yeah. And Ellis he, and Neckbone. Neckbone. Neckbone <laughs> <that's> fucking, <laughs> oh, God. I love that. I also Off love f- that Neckbone always just throws his, yeah, like, 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 whenever he introduces mm, him, he just throws his, like, little his finger down. gun up. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's so good. Uh, also,
4: the best, like, probably some of the best child
2: actors. Uh, well, 100% agreed. It was
4: like, I think that's one of the first things that blew me away. It was like, whoa, that, they just seem like they found these kids and they, they killed it.
2: Well, and that kid's going to be in Ready Player One, yeah. uh, oh, Spielberg's yeah. big yeah. movie coming he out. He was in
4: that movie Entertainment.
2: Oh. He was the
0: opening act yeah. for Neil for Hamburger. Turkle- Turkelton. And he does this weird, like... It's like it's like a heightened mime kind of thing. Okay. And watching it, I was like, who is this kid? Like to be able to get that sort of anti humor. Yeah. I feel like you have to have survived uh, you know, countless Years. tragedies. Yeah, yeah. And he's, you know, he's like nineteen at the time. Yeah. And so yeah, for him it whew, that like breaks my heart. I'm like, what did you experience to be that able to get it at fourteen? Uh, yeah, know, like that's He was so good at it. I'm not
3: mistaken, Mud was one of
2: his first, if not I, mean, I, I think it was his second did he make yeah. shotgun uh, stories before it I think uh, right. yeah um but uh it, so it's like it's cut, so but then you have Ellis's story which is like this um you know because Mud is the kind of character that you'd be obsessed with as a as a 14 year old it does have this like coming of age adventure story to it you know it's it, his second after the tree of life
4: tree of li- right. Oh. right oh that's
0: right yeah yeah tree of life okay.
2: crazy um
0: and right before last man standing with Tim man <laughs> Oh, oh, oh,
2: oh! You're talking about what's the kid's name? Ty Sheridan. Ty Sheridan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, so it's like this, this you know, almost like Stand By Me, this like coming of age kind of adventure. While there's like this adult thriller happening in the background of it, like all like you almost never really get the full story of what's going on with Mud and his yeah. girlfriend. You like kind of do, but not really. Uh, it's just like and the by periphery. his design, though, right?
0: I think he's very attuned to the romanticism
2: of it, yeah, and is selling it on these.
0: Cases, Absolutely, but know, also if he you... knows they see him as this, this you know very romantic yeah. creature.
2: But also, if you were fourteen, you just wouldn't have enough context to like get really what's happening there. You know, you you, right. you would right. not understand the dynamics about, like, of
0: because love. As if it's a thing that he has a really nuanced, uh, you
3: know, uh,
2: uh, understanding of, which he doesn't. No, yeah.
3: He clearly doesn't, yeah.
2: Well, and that, so I love this mashing of tones, right? This kind of, like, adult thriller kind of on top of or in the background of, uh, like, a a childhood kind of coming of age, like, almost fantasy to some extent. You know, they're going out to an island where there's a boat and a tree and a cool man and, you know. Uh, who's going to give them a gun if they <laughs> do the <laughs> deal with him? you know? Yeah. But not the bullets. Not, not part of the, not yeah, part yeah. Of the deal. Yeah. <laughs> the deal's for the gun. Uh, <laughs> but uh, the, So I, I love that about it, but the thing that I really... The reason that all works, I think, because by the time you get to the shootout at the end... we, By the way, we spoil the movies we talk about oh, here yeah, wildly, okay. so don't worry about that. I feel that. like oh, okay.
0: most people have probably seen Mud by now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and our this, listeners
2: yeah. know, like, we're going to spoil the shit out of what we're talking about. Okay. So don't worry about that. You can spoil it. Or, when you get to the shootout at the end, that almost feels like it shouldn't be in that movie. Right. It almost a, feels like a heightening to a level else. that yeah. that movie has not really been dabbling in. Mm. But then you think about it and it's like, no, it has though. There's a fucking boat in a tree. There's a homeless man on an island that is mm. like getting these kids involved in his like criminal the scheme. The only food
0: available in town is beanie weenie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
2: like it's so like it, there you realize like it actually has had this kind of like fantastical tone to it all along it is through the lens of a 14-year-old who might exaggerate the own details in his telling or memory of it. Like, it all... When you get to that climax, like, I was 100% in, and I kind of couldn't believe I was 100% in, because it Mm -hmm. feels like something that shouldn't work. Right. But it, it just... It totally works for... Just this nuanced tone that he kind of balances between those mm-hmm. two stories he's kind of telling. Right. Well, it's and a then, full
0: committal to it, too. If yeah. he was wishy-washy about it, right. it, would, it would end up actually feeling the way that I misassessed it the first time I watched it. Right, Probably. but like By committing to it fully, you kind of just have to go along for yes. the ride. It's beautiful.
3: Yeah. Love he's like, I'm going to have this slimy guy punch the 14-year-old kid right yes. in the face yeah. in, a, in a motel room to collide these two.
2: Oh my so God, I love that one. moment. Yeah, That was yeah. brutal too. Ooh. Well, because that's also the Oof. moment where you're, you're watching these kids do things that you're like, all right, come on, guys, be safe. Let's, just, yeah, let's yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody calm down, be a little more safe. Yeah. And But the movie keeps going, and you're like, all right, well, it's a movie. They'll protect the kids. And then he just fucking socks that 14-year-old yeah. in the face. You're like, oh, okay, yeah. this movie is, we're way in now. <laughs> I re- Okay, but the thing that I really loved about the movie and what carried me through it is this idea that you have a 14-year-old kid who I remember being fourteen and love was absolutely the most important thing to me at fourteen. My very limited, under fourteen year old brain understanding of it was very important to me. It was of utmost importance finding a girl and and trying to meet her well, that's and get what it. The right. songs told you was important exactly. You know? mm-hmm. uh, and he has all of these male role models in his life and and really only one female role model, mostly male role models in his life that throughout the movie give them, give him their. What they consider the definitive advice about love, but as only true advice for them because of their experiences. And they spend the whole movie trying to impart them onto this kid who's very much struggling with what that means in the face of the divorce of his parents. And Mudd represents to him this sort of, uh, you know, fantastical version of love that makes sense to him at 14. Mm. What Mudd is explaining is going on between him and his girlfriend seems like the kind of love that he... Mm-hmm. Th- you do anything for it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like, I'll do it's anything Exactly. Yeah. And, and his... I love how Sam Shepard runs counter
0: to that, because yes. they see him as the, you know, as mud as like, oh, he'll do anything for her. That's how you mm-hmm. know it's true love. And then Sam Shepard comes in and is like, he's a stupid kid, yeah. because he'd do anything for her, and yeah. she's just going to keep screwing him over. Yep. And we also kind of learn to a degree she does love him, yep. but is also prone to make your own mistakes. It's, yep. it's such a great mashing of perspectives where... Everyone has something to say about someone else, and they 're not incorrect, right, but it 's so infused with their own lens that yes. that it is uh, i won 't say incorrect, but it 's off yeah, and but everybody 's right, but everybody 's wrong, you know everybody 's right, well, everybody's yeah. right yeah. for themselves, right, like yes. everybody
2: can only speak to Ellis from their own experience, and so that 's what they 're delivering to him is their own experience with love mm-hmm. and what they think that means the best advice for him is, and none of it 's really good advice for Ellis, like just coming from an outside perspective it 's like everything that he's told is like, well, that's not, I mean, that's not really inherently true. That is just true for you. And that doesn't help Ellis. But Ellis is a typical American 14-year-old who is told to listen to people that are older than him when they impart these kinds of things to him and stuff. And so it just like, it confuses Ellis and Ellis gets more wrapped up in his own emotions and he gets more pinned down in his own bad idea about what love is by all of these other pieces of advice that are sort of He's almost by the end of it being like berated with. People are just constantly trying to level those things to him.
0: I think in that degree, that's why it is a coming-of-age tale, because ultimately I think the lesson that he learns is one of experience, Yeah, where it's, you know, everyone's going to tell you something, and it is based in their truth. It's not untrue, but ultimately it's going to be what you experience and what you figure out, what you filter through your own lens that is going to, uh, what's the word, be the catalyst towards adulthood that he's seeking.
2: One of my favorite moments is when, so like, it happens twice and they're both great moments in the movie but when he punches that kid in the parking lot because the kid is like teasing the girl that he has a crush on I love that moment. It's really cool to see like a 14-year-old just unabashedly like just go for it and get the response he wants off of it, right? But then now we're talking about Ellis's real only experience with what he thinks love is, and he's rewarded for punching the kid in the face. Mm-hmm. So later in the movie, when he sees her talking to another guy, the first thing he does is run up and punch <laughs> him in the face for no fucking reason. And she has to tell him, like, what and do you think is going to happen? Fish. You can't go running around <laughs> punching people in the face. <laughs> well, like, What do you think is going to happen? But it worked the first time. <laughs> right, exactly. It's his only experience with the, the rewards of love is you punch a fucking kid in the face and you get rewarded with it. And so he just takes that to heart and goes for it. And that's like to me, that was like one of the big moments of him learning like, oh, none of what everybody has been telling me is all that meaningful. Mm. Like it's I'm only going to learn it through mm. my experience mm-hmm. with it. And what I really love is by the end, he says, I love you to his parents. Mm-hmm. And they say, I love you back. Mm-hmm. And he realizes that he does have love in his life. He's had love in his life all along. And that love can look like a lot of different things. That's ultimately the lesson he learns at the end is like, love can just look like a lot of different things. And, and be this... imperfect. Yes. And still attainable. Yep. Exactly. And this thing that he's been looking for has been in his life all along. It's maybe not the version of love that he was uh, uh, pining for, but mm-hmm. it's there. He has it. it's It's available to him if he's willing to accept it, you know? I I loved that. I thought that was like such a beautiful kind of like sentiment. And I I wrote this down because I just this line struck me so much when uh, McConaughey is on the floor of his bedroom in a hail of bullets. I think it's like right before the bullets start flying. He uh, he says to him, "I don't traffic in the truth too uh, yeah, often, but yeah. that's a good line. <laughs> I did love her. I love that. Like because oh, well, that's
0: kind of the completion of his arc. Because yes, because when we meet him, he is very firm with this is what I believe. This yep. is how life should be. Yep. You know, this is this is what I know." And then by the end, it's like, listen,
2: kid, you know, I'm not, I'm not what you thought I was. I'm this, but yeah, this there's some true. truth. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. This much yeah. yeah. is true. I, I just, and that's such a beautiful line too. Like the way that's all phrased, and I feel like only McConaughey could give the right delivery for oh, that yeah. line. You know. Uh, through whatever's going on with his teeth in this movie, I was trying to figure out the whole uh, time. I, I think was like,
4: they, they, they chipped one. Yeah, he's got like a chip, and w- so he can he can get the cigarette right in the middle. Yeah, yeah well, and dang. I was trying to figure out. I was like,
2: are these McConaughey's <laughs> real teeth, and he's just been wearing caps his whole career? Yo, uh, or
4: Roman J Israel
0: Esquire, right? He does uh, that. Right? Denzel popped his caps off. Yeah, for it and he's got a big gap that is apparently natural. Yeah, and it oh. was it was night and day because like Denzel's Denzel's Denzel. Like yeah, you you can't unsee him. Mm. I unsaw him. and The teeth had a lot to do with that. I'm just saying the wow. teeth that looked real. I feel yeah. like there the teeth
2: make up. This movie there's is amazing.
4: A, a tooth, there's a piece of a tooth missing. Yeah, that's, not that's yeah, what it looks like to me, too. Out yeah, or yeah. yeah, that was that was I couldn't forget Hollywood,
2: like, but it was like, yeah. all of his teeth were fucked. Like, yeah. it wasn't like he just had like one chip that yeah. they were able to take advantage of, Like his teeth were fucked. <laughs> I was like, this is the best t- teeth makeup. I don't know if they give him a word out for that, but it needs to win it because <laughs> his teeth were always all white, all white, all white, <laughs> <laughs> but uh. You're waiting to say that. I'll well see you later, Well done. Mic drop. This How was an elaborate 53-minute setup to that punchline. <laughs> and that's white, why you're white. here. Yeah. All right, guys. Yeah. No, so, so what, what uh,
0: inspired you guys to bring this as as your movie for our
4: show? Well, we kicked around a bunch. We, we had a, a kind of long list going. And, um, well,
0: I'm so honored you put that much thought into
4: this. No, yeah, it, it was actually right tough. We're like, <laughs> what is the perfect movie? And I, 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 I don't know. I think we... Um, there's some kind of obvious bigger ones that that we kicked around at first, and such um, as, um, I was kind of I was kind of pushing Halloween because for me, oh, like like score, like is is, is is like right up there with Jaws. And, oh um, yeah, you know that's that's kind of top notch. Yeah, um, I saw John Carpenter at the truck a couple weeks or oh, a couple I months wish, ago.
0: You, I mean, it well, was
2: well. great. It was great. I know, I missed that. That I would have loved to see that. I would have loved to say I I love John Carpenter. I love John yeah. Carpenter. Yeah. Thanks. And uh, I. I especially love Halloween and I really love that score. It's such an interesting minimalist score yeah, that is yeah, yeah. doing so much by doing really very little very ultimately. Little. <laughs> it's a two finger. It, it but is. still very complicated. But oh yeah. A, the time.
4: The, the well, what? Remind me of the time signature. Is that five, seven? It's in five, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's, it's like, very it's weird. complicated and weird, but also yeah. very simple. It cuts through, yep. it's iconic.
2: It, well, and it's, it's also got that, um, there's that other piece from it that sometimes is <coughs> re- just the background of the, the main theme Don't sometimes, know. and Don't other know. times it's just yeah. on its own. There's a couple, yeah, they, it's, it gets deconstructed. Yeah, yeah. Ways. And yeah. I just all those themes, they're so good, but they, they really are so simple at face value. You know, yeah. they, they, they feel so basic and simple, but they are so effective for that movie.
0: Yeah. I but was at
2: a Q&A for, with
0: John Carpenter, and someone asked him, they were like, so why do you do your own scores? And he was like, well, I work quick and I work cheap. And that <laughs> was his go. reason. Yeah. yeah, right on. Yeah. Well, but again
3: to know it, I mean to know to know it most intimately than anyone else. Although I think it is helpful to have a, a fresh set of eyes on something after you've spent however many years in your, of your life just like as a director pouring into a movie. Um but he, you know he must know exactly what he's trying yeah. to convey more than right. and not and be able to sort of skip that translation
0: process well, he breathes he something had. different than the rest of oh, us yeah one that was, you know.
2: the, i love repeating this story but hey did you guys ever hear his wtf interview no he was on oh, maron's podcast so the opening of the podcast the first thing maron says to him is uh, john welcome to the studio thanks for being here i uh, just got to tell you you scared the shit out of me with halloween when i was a kid <laughs> and john carpenter goes oh my pleasure <laughs> <laughs> nice. that's awesome nice. the synthesis of everything that john carpenter is in one sentence it's nice. so good
4: so you you opted against halloween yeah sorry yeah, well, a lot of it was when we started talking about it, we're like let, let's think about the scores that we like went out and bought you know not just like mm-hmm. oh that was a good movie mm-hmm. like, what, what are the ones that we you know called each other or you know texted each other about like like you, you gotta check this out this. yeah and so we kind of went back and i, I think that also
3: accompanied see. a a good movie a well exactly. a thoughtful well done movie
4: exactly and I think the the big ones, anything Bottle of Mente. I mean, I think mm-hmm. the, anything Twin Peaks, and even Straight Story was another big one, oh, which was a complete goodness. left turn. I really like Straight Story. for Lynch and Bottle of Mente. That was awesome. And then then we kind of ended up at um, Bottle Rocket, another one that we yeah, I know we had about. talked about that a little yeah. bit. And, and and then
3: and part of that was was because um, both of those guys you mentioned, Bottle of Mente and and um, Mark Mothersbaugh that did Bottle Rocket. Um, not our introduction to film music. Our introduction to film music was Carpenter and John Williams and stuff. But but as like an older, slightly older, experienced musician, it's like, oh, Mark Mothersbaugh used to be in a rock band, yeah, and did all this weird stuff, and now he's doing film, and it's it sounds like he made such a um departure from what he like what we think of him as mm-hmm. as a musician. When like and to us, I was like, You're that's a, a great nose, we're like. Yeah. He's not. He doesn't sound. Have to sound like John Williams. Right. He can just sound like what the movie needs. Mente did the same thing for us as kids, um, where you think scores are just E.T., Indiana Jones, John yeah. Williams. Yep. And then you hear this totally weird, minimal, jazzy, yeah, bizarre, like ethereal score. Mente is like, like, yeah, yeah. He's like, a awesome. god who walks. Oh, wait, there's us. like yeah. only like three instruments right there. <laughs> Maybe. We could do that, later. yeah,
4: yeah. Um, so those were, and same thing with Halloween. That seems, so. yeah, same yeah. thing it's with like Halloween. It's just like you it's like you a could make that in your bedroom or something. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like it makes it more accessible. It's like, you know, like one it's of like two tr-
3: things I can play on piano. Is the <laughs> <Halloween>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. right. Um, and the thing with and Bottle Rock is a great movie. We love the music, but after watching back when I first spoke yes. to you, I realized so many of the big musical moments are, um, song placements. Yeah, like needle they, drop moments. Needle drop. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. they license a song. Which is so effective, Wes Anderson does great, oh, yes. but it's like, and it's just as important as a composer sitting down to write something. Um, but didn't function in the, you know, in the way we were looking for a score
4: to yeah. do so. And then I think we started moving forward a little bit and started talking about contemporaries, you know, and like, um, you know, Sicario, Johan Johansson, mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, RIP, yep, yep, yeah, well, that's and, a sad and one. Michael Levy and uh, Under the Skin just kind of like what? Oh, what are other uh, scores uh, that have just kind of uh, popped out? And Under, Boy, those... Skin's gonna Under as, the Skin's going to emerge as like Skin the movie is, of that decade. Oh my God. that is like, incredible! I love oh, that, and that music so is good. Good.
2: just uh, the it. It evokes the science fiction nature of that story before you understand that's what you are. Yeah. It's watching. out of this world. Yeah, yeah. It's great. It's,
0: there was something <laughs> that I was watching that that like sort of sounded like the whee noise yeah. that they uh-huh. had. And I forget what movie it was, and it wasn't scary or anything. And then as soon as that happened, it brought me to Under the Skin. And Oof. I was like, I got to
4: stop for a minute because I'm like a little yeah. freaked out. Well, that, yeah. You know, that actually, behind the scenes, that gets tempted into like nine out of oh, yeah. every 10 films. So of, that's that part of it. it. Yeah, if,
3: if if we start a new thing and there's temp music that's been selected, yep. d- directors Please just Please don't go, put that in there. They just go to Under the Skin. I mean. You can't top that. A deck or Leave it you alone. Know, what, five, six, seven
2: years ago, it was drive, drive. Yeah. Drive. Oh, yep. oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah.
3: And now it's so much under the skin. Yeah, um, I know. Um, for a little, bwah, yeah, for a little I while, that was that.
2: like the temp music oh, that yeah. I heard was in everything. Was mm-hmm. that? Yeah. Uh, um, oh, the Requiem uh, score was. Oh yeah, the, in, the Requiem was score in was in everything. For uh, uh, I think
0: that was even in like the first Gravity trailer. Yeah, they used the the um. Yeah. Oh, why can't I think of that
3: orchestra? What are they called? The, not the Kronos Quartet, is it? No, yeah, it's Kronos yeah, Quartet. Yeah. That, yeah, almost that's, positive. That's playing Clint Mansell's music. I believe he wrote the music. Yes, yes, with them performing. I think that's accurate. Uh what's
4: d- what's the Christopher Nolan?
3: Um, Interstellar Steller? No, the, before Inception. That. Inception. Yeah, yes. that that big brass. That was big. Stellar. I love it. Like, none of us can remember things uh, independently. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. As, yeah. A, yeah. as a whole, as a, as a good, we're gonna we're gonna, gonna need to, to, to bring, bring you guys back for all future podcast. episodes because <laughs> <laughs> apparently we need you to finish course. thoughts. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but with Mud, I think what's interesting, the film that we're working on now, had a handful of music from Mud as temp music. Okay. And we happen to know David Wingo, the composer, and yes. he's a buddy. Okay. And um, and I don't know. If that was he feels like a, you know, a um. We came from a similar background level, playing in bands, playing in bands, and transitioning mm-hmm. into film.
2: You said before, contemporary. He's, yeah, some, right. He's yeah. contemporary of he, you guys. Is, right? Yeah.
3: Yeah. Um, and also had this long, uh, you know, long running working relationship with Jeff Nichols. Right. I think Mud. They did shotguns. Oh No, I'm sorry. They did take shelter together mm-hmm. before. Mm-hmm. Um, this was yeah, their was second feature. I together. really need to see that. I haven't it's seen that it's yet. it not melt your soul. I, yeah, it's so good. good. And in the way that we sort of just k- grew up, came into working with Jeremy um, and learning sort of our learning about the craft and kind of our approach to it. I think he's done the same thing mm-hmm. with Jeff Nichols, who just continues to make like very cool movies. Really cool. And movies. And we happen to just like mm-hmm. the music and think the music fits.
4: Also, there's, there's this kind of, and, and and kind of go back to someone else we kicked around was Daniel Hart, who has a long-running kind of collaboration with David Lowry, and they did mm-hmm. Ain't the Body Saints together, and I think Mudd and Ain't the Body Saints both had this new kind of approach to film music where there's um, kind of acoustic instrumentation mm-hmm. and more um, kind of a rural feel, and that was something new, and I think that we both picked up on, like, oh, well, that, that's a really interesting approach but they kind of it it, it sounds almost orchestral in a way mm-hmm. but yeah, it but still feels like, like a score but it's like folksy a little yeah, bit yeah, yeah yeah and that seemed like a really new fresh take on it on on film music and so uh um, and
3: i think in the way that it's the choice of instruments the composition itself but in the way that it's recorded and produced yeah. gets, it's and it becomes such a part of it that it's not like glossed over or yeah. shined up and There's something a, a little like rough a about also. Mm-hmm. It's like it also it feels like absolutely
4: you're like, what you're looking at, are, like the sonic textures. That that's like it feels like the location, and that that seemed like a whole other thing. That was kind of a, a new and interesting way to approach film music. So that was that was kind of where we landed with that. I like how you said that
0: score. that's something that stuck with me this time around. That I think, just because I was dead tired the first time and mm-hmm. couldn't really engage the movie, one of my favorite things about watching Mud this time was I felt like I was there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's not really an environment that I'm too you know knowledgeable of or even comfortable with Mm -hmm. and so to be there and to have that sound that is folksy but still has that backwoods like you almost hear the water flowing yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. you can almost smell just like the moldy reeds you know Mm -hmm. it's it's you can hear it in the music
4: Um, that that resonated with me this time around yeah Mm -hmm. i think that's something that we get really excited about too we start working on a film early on almost before we get into themes or composition ideas i think we get really excited about the choice of instruments and like, what what mm. what is the kind of story and the location feel like, and that that kind of then will inform decisions about what kind of instruments we're going to use, or we what, argue about that well, those decisions <laughs> extensively we right? on end. <laughs> yeah, but the end goal is to kind of land in a place that that feels like these, you know,
2: like you know, like kind of mud accomplished. And um, I uh, I spent some time listening to that score this week too, because um, mm-hmm. I think when did I watch? I think I watched the movie Wednesday night, and so I, I probably like yesterday yeah yesterday and it was
0: wednesday i remember because you had finished
2: it and i was like 40 minutes yeah, into it right. so it was like let's, 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 we can't yeah. talk about it yet, let's yeah, let's yeah, yeah. It yet. uh <laughs> and so i spent some time listening to it and i the uh i really liked the score and one of the things i noticed is so like there's some lucero songs yeah. on the the soundtrack quite, i like quite a bit um and there are a couple other like needle drop type you know songs throughout the soundtrack without being like needle drops in terms of like you'd find these on a drink right. box well, yeah and they were like
0: cool I don't want to say deep cuts because I'm not really familiar with it, but they were songs that were appropriate um, and and
2: matched the score, but still had that like more produced feel to kind of you know lubricate those moments. That's exactly the yeah. point I was trying to make. Is it almost feels like the the Wingo score and who I I have no idea. I don't know, and, and you guys probably don't either. But like it almost feels like the needle drops were like pre decided upon, and then Wingo like. Created the score around what instruments were already like a part of those like because the songs from these the these bands sound so much like the and I don't mean this as a disservice to either but like so much like the Wingo score like they just they coexist yeah Yeah. they exactly they they it it really flows together like very they feel like pieces of a whole is, is what I'm trying to say. So check this out.
3: Okay. We do, in fact, know. Oh, hell yeah. Please oh, give it to yes. me. yes. I love it. So I spoke to David Wingo on the phone today. Fuck yeah, dude. He's um <laughs> he's great. And and uh, we're buddies and we share an agent together and know, know some people together and uh, haven't caught up in a while. And I was like, we're doing this thing. Got to pick your brain. <laughs> um, And he's such a sweetheart. And he was like, how much time do you got? Because I'll just talk. He's like, mud's a great one to, for me to talk about. Forever, <laughs> and um we should have like a dialing. he should be so and i was i was trying to like get all this as he was just telling me about the the process of um working with jeff nichols in general mm-hmm. but in starting with mud um and ben nichols i'm pretty sure we can double check this is in lucero is jeff's brother whoa so jeff is closely related to the guys in lucero got it so um he always tempts in or tries to find space to make his brother's music work in his mm-hmm. film, which is cool. So so then of course David gets to know Ben, the musician from yep. uh Lucero, and they collaborated mm-hmm. on things and the opening theme from the movie itself um was exactly what you mentioned. It was a riff that Ben from Lucero started, sort of became Lucero's song. Yeah. Um they placed it against the picture and David said he helped shape it into Sort of morph into a score moment, yeah, and then it sort of goes back to the song, I think, and that opens the movie, um, which was cool. So they went to, um, I think he said Mississippi or Missouri, where, where Ben's based, and worked together uh-huh. on some collaborative stuff there. That's so to cool. make sure it just it does sink. In it as really a whole. does
2: feel like a whole yeah. piece, like it's the, and it's like I said, I mean, it's like three or four different artists are listed throughout that soundtrack, mm-hmm. but yeah. every song sounds like the score, which sounds like the songs, which are probably not that connected as much as they are just, I don't know. But if
3: they can be, and if they can be without like changing it too much, if they can be shaped in a way to feel more cohesive, that'd be a fun... We've looked for opportunities like that in films when they're putting a soundtrack together or needle drops or something, Mm -hmm. If there's a way that we can help.
4: We almost got there with... Sent the rain and lightning mm-hmm. a little bit. Started working with a couple of the artists. Yeah, some songs them, that and kinda needed. I added some some textures oh, from the score. Oh, interesting. That score elements yeah. added mm-hmm. added
3: to a song if you sort of if you know the artist who's being included. Um, yeah, that's, that's always a big fun. thing. That uh,
0: what's his name? Who's the guy that works with the Cohens? Uh, Carter Burwell. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, they do. A really good mix of needle drop and score with a lot of their movies. Mm-hmm. I, I I am enamored with Inside Lewin Davis. That movie just yeah, I love slays that. me. But that is a great example of the score kind of invoking a lot of the folk music, mm-hmm. but also the choice
2: of the folk songs, you know, invoking the score. Yeah. yeah. It's a yeah, yeah exactly. it's a beautiful
0: coexistence.
2: Agreed. Yeah, I was just so impressed with that when I was listening to the soundtrack. I was like, This is kind of amazing. Like it it really feels to have like that balance, yeah. Yeah, it just mm-hmm. really feels like they like There are there are guitars in the Lucero songs that sound just like the guitars in the score, and they could they could have been and they might have been. It sounds like yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. David mentioned um, um, Jeff Nichols had an idea for like this. uh, Sorry, yeah, Spielberg, like John Williams, very adventurous, um, orchestrated big score to like complement the adventure um, that these kids are going on, and they tried a bunch of things. He Mm -hmm. said. By the time they got through Midnight Special and Loving, yes, they have this like working relationship that is well oiled, and they're sort of just like going, getting in the flow much quicker. Yep. Mud. They said they really worked on it. And yeah, yeah. Went, spent a lot of time trying to find the right sound, and um, and there was almost like a no. Let's not do too many guitars. Let's not do anything mm. too regional. I don't mm-hmm. want it to be a regional score to mm-hmm. a regional <laughs> movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so they avoided guitars for the longest time. That's and then, so interesting. Um, um seems like there's a lot of sort of back and forth and demos and stuff and I I think it was putting the lucero music against picture that's right yeah. guitars can it work as long as, yes. as we're not doing like banjos everywhere and, yeah. twang, and twangy twangy stuff well
2: it's exactly what you guys said it's like the the movie is like, it is a regional movie yeah. and mm-hmm. and the sound of the movie brings you into that region m- as much as the picture, right? Like right. It, it's the two things complementing each other that really bring you into that region. It's so interesting. And the dialect they, too. Some, yeah. some, some, of what, some
4: of the way the lines are delivered, you're just like, oh, that sounds like poetry uh, yeah. uh-huh. from that era. Oh, anytime yeah, Michael <laughs> Shannon speaks, it's oh. like a
0: beautiful thing. Yeah. Cause, and he doesn't even play the most uh, I love verbose character. Yeah. Well, I love his Gailin. arc as he starts the movie as a guy who doesn't have lights on his diving helmet. And ends yeah. the movie as a guy who does. It's so yeah. good arc. It's <laughs> yeah. good arc. He's got them lights.
4: And he found his fan in the bottom of the river. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. the best <laughs> fan I ever owned. <laughs> and he's,
0: oh, and he's uh, he's behind the, the one other song that's out of touch. Uh, Help Me Rhonda. Because yeah. that's oh, yeah. his That's his yeah. getting some song yeah. Yeah. That's on yeah. You don't come in yeah. Yeah. Right, I right, love right. that That's great <laughs> What a great touch Some people are
4: comfortable With that in the bedroom Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dude when he emerges His explanation of it too <laughs> Yeah
0: How it's like Oh it's just a guy It's just a guy tri-. I can't do a Michael Shad yeah. But it's something Along the lines like It's just a guy Rebounding You know Because some girl Wouldn't fuck him <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, so good. And I never thought About that I just thought of that As like yeah, It's Beach Boys When you know, he emerges girls. From
2: that trailer In the surf gear <laughs> yeah. When it's very clear They've implied He's just been having sex <laughs> (laughs) With a woman, (laughs) and he comes out in like half-off surf gear. I was like, "That's amazing."
0: He's like, "Some people, (laughs) some people
4: are into
2: that." I'm sorry, like, don't know what he did.
0: Treat
4: women like a princess. Uh, he was such a good character. He he's, was great.
0: He's the character that you would expect to be a bad guy. Yep. And he's actually a pretty good guy. He's yep. doing his best to take care of yeah. his nephew, just doing his thing. And There's like, kind yeah, of a lot of this... that in the movie, actually. Yeah, like, yeah, even Ellis' dad is, dad is, dad, 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 is but, Yeah, like, you're kind of like is, wishy-washy.
2: You know, you you know. Like, yeah. I spent the first half, half, half hour. There. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I spent the first half hour, and probably just because of assumptions I would make about someone of that class in that region and blah, 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 right? Um, all my preconceived notions probably led to this, but it's like I spent the first half hour being like, "I bet Ellis has a pretty bad home life. Yeah, like mm-hmm. uh, his dad probably yeah. beats on him a little bit." Like da, da da, and then you get a scene where his dad is sitting there, he's got a beer in his hand. They make it very clear he's drunk, and I was like, "This is it. This is where we're gonna find out about Ellis's mm-hmm. home life." And he says, "Get in here now," and I was like, "This is it. Here we go." Mm-hmm. And then he just has a very frank conversation yeah. with yeah. his son. About what's happening in his marriage, mm. and I was like, "This is amazing! Like, I just love that the movie set you up for all of this." And the th- mom was trying to do the exact opposite. We're gonna sit yes. down and have a dinner. Yep. And we'll he, his dad yep. was just like, this "Oh yeah, I mean, up. he." It's funny because, like, ultimately the dad is doing a shitty thing in that scene. Like he <clears throat> he knows he's undercutting his he's wife so up- and what she wants though. to do. Yeah, right.
0: That's the thing. All the characters are so well motivated. Yeah. that No matter how it fits mm-hmm. with the theme of the movie in terms of everybody having a kind of conflicting but not yes. wholly inaccurate perspective. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It it fits that in that they're so well motivated that you go okay i don't necessarily agree with this but i know how you got there mm-hmm. i know why you why yeah. you is what you is you know like, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah i know what it is yeah
2: it's i just i i loved that there were so many moments where i was kind of expecting something out of a character only to have that character surprise me mm-hmm. uh, and uh i don't know now that i'm saying that out loud it's like how often does that even happen in the movies anymore yeah, where characters act outside of like your expectations yeah, the, for dad, them. at the
4: end they've clearly separated and he's just like Give your mom support. That's what she needs. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's 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 great yeah. Yeah, that's her tough for her, too. That was, yeah, a, that was a good like, line, oh, yeah. Not so bad. Yeah. yeah. Not so, not it's so also so bad the guy. dad kind
0: of showing a moment of, like, I'm capable of understanding a perspective mm-hmm. that's not my own, which mm-hmm. is sort of the lesson that Ellis is learning yeah. yeah. is right, or even you know, if he's, open up to a wider perspective.
2: Even if he's not, he knows enough to deliver that lesson to his son, mm-hmm. right? Like, mm-hmm. even if he's lying to him a little bit, just because yeah. he knows that... Maybe he'd be a better man if he had been given that advice. You know, that kind of thing. And like it still shows a little bit of,
0: you know, like, that's real love. Yeah. yeah. Yep.
2: You know, we're not together. We're not married. But hey, yeah. you know, I care
0: about your mom's well-being. Right. You're yeah. part of this team. You know, Yeah. yeah. It was so good. I you love it. You know that. what line yeah. I loved uh, when... When uh, Mudd was telling them about, and I don't know the neighbor's name, we'll call him Sam Shepard. Mm, Tom. And he's like, Tom. Tom yes. He's like, Tom's killed more people than you probably ever <laughs> yeah. met in your whole life. <laughs> like, that is so good. Because if I heard that and as a like, kid. And and that was the great yeah. part because he gives them this look like, you believe this guy? Yeah, yeah. And it was the one moment where Ellis kind of sort of doubts Mud. Yeah. And then we yeah. find out it's probably pretty true. You yeah. yeah. Sort of any... You oh. know, uh, uh, Exaggeration. That yeah. is probably
2: that is that might actually be the moment where the movie is like you're either on board with it or you're, or you're getting not, out yeah. right now when they reveal <laughs> yeah. that Tom is in fact a fucking oh, yeah. like yeah. amazing well, sniper. In the movie and he's gonna try to pick off fish from yeah. his from his roof, which I, is great. That's just you like, like that's, yelling at him and shit. We're already <laughs> in the middle of a gunfight that doesn't belong <laughs> yeah. in this movie, and now they reveal that the guy that they've been joking about being a CIA killer a, is actually he's an he's amazing sniper oh, yeah. who's gonna help everybody out <laughs> through the scene. I was like, What a
0: great touch too that he's like this cold calculated sniper. Sniper, but when he goes to reload, he, like he's he, still an old man that yeah. kind of has to yeah. bump the stock. He's got and, jammed uh, up a little bit. Yeah, that's oh, so good. Yeah, that that kind of stuff rubbed me the wrong way the first time. Where I was like, "This is too much." You got yeah, a sniper yeah. running around. You got it's yeah. everyone's eating beanie weenie. What yeah. yeah. is <laughs> And this time it was that's almost what I loved about yeah, it. Yeah, I'm is, all in on that oh, movie wow, by yeah. the end, man. Like it, yeah. Especially now because I've gone and seen you know Midnight Special, mm-hmm. which is a movie that very much dances around. Multiple tones and genres. Yeah. You know, there's right. there's a father-son tale there, but there's also space rocks coming out of the sky. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. Like it's all over the place. And once I got a sense of that, Mud played a little better. I mm-hmm. think my preconceptions for Mud were were inaccurate and kind of designed to be disappointed.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I yeah, <laughs> nice I little, literally nice was pregnant. Pause there for everybody. Well, but I was I just thinking talking. about Michael Shannon in his diving outfit, which oh, I can't like that. Which he's never he has. not in. Even when he's playing his yeah. guitar, he's got it like just peeled down to his knees. Yeah, it's beautiful. I love that fucking helmet he wears, man. Yeah, it's great with, it's this, totally like with homemade. Homemade. from uh, yeah, yeah, this yeah. yeah. It's So good. Oh my god, <laughs> he's
0: he's under the water. He's got the bell to, yes. and his buddies yeah. just pass the fuck out <laughs> yeah. in his canoe and just all right. I'm gonna have to pull myself up. It's so good. Yeah, this is
3: a good pick. Jeff Nichols gets credit for for branching out and like experimenting with young child actors like Ty Sher, Tay, Ty Sheridan, Ty Sheridan, Ty Sheridan, and, yeah. and uh, Jaden. Yeah, we uh, couldn't think of his last name earlier I didn't either. Get his name um, from Midnight it, special, but you know he there's new faces, but he sticks with familiar faces, and you have to imagine like we were discussing vocabulary earlier, and like something that we've developed with Jeremy and mm-hmm. and of course Macon, but not directors that you're working with for the first time. I mean, he's got that deep with um, Michael Shannon. Michael Shannon, he must. Yeah. I mean,
0: uh, I think you told me that they had been, I think they they were in college together. And Mm -hmm. as soon
2: as he Mm -hmm. saw Michael Shannon was
0: just like, I'm making movies with him. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He's the guy. Yeah. yeah. I heard him tell a story
2: that he just, the moment he met Michael Shannon, he saw him and he was like, that guy Needs to, to be, be on Im- camera. Yeah. like mm. he ju- he will look amazing on camera. I right. need to get him. So he is, so yeah. Jaden Le- 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 Lieberher or Lieberher. Lieberher. I don't yeah. know how to yeah. pronounce it, but um, yeah. He uh, Sam I mean, Shepard,
3: Sam Shepard,
0: R. I. P. Right? Yeah. yeah, just yeah. recently yeah. too. Yes. Yep.
3: He was um, he was fantastic in Midnight Special. Right? He was, he so, so, yeah. he was like scary good in yeah. the movie. Yeah, yeah. imagine uh, they've developed like a shorthand where you know who knows what Michael Shannon brought to the table and said, "Let me just do the, let me do this." the swimsuit on the waist down yeah, for the yeah, whole movie yeah. and,
2: and see if it works yeah he well like he, he's got to have a good relationship with him because like his performance in midnight special i think is like so outside of how i would care like the kind of character i would think of michael, michael shannon for. like that because i know there's
0: so many times where i expect him to be this big imposing bad man yep. and then he shows this tenderness that yep. you don't often see but but I, I realize now that I said it. I do often see it. Mm-hmm. It, it does yeah. come through, even in his imposing characters. Yeah. He he's got a vulnerability that that he can tap into in a yeah. way that someone who's made out of made entirely of old leather football helmets <laughs> shouldn't be
2: able to do but yeah, he does. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah, I just I think he's like remarkable in Midnight Special. He's yeah. really good in that movie and it, it it still to me feels like outside of what I would He's
0: got that one line him where the kid's like you don't got to worry about me and he's like yeah I do. It comes That's it comes a the, the deal. That's yeah. the job. Yeah. It's like it's so good. Ooh, my yeah. heart.
2: <laughs> I'm your dad, Elton. Isn't that? not kid's name? Al- Alton. Something Alton, like that, yeah. Jaden, yeah. yeah. Jaden Lieber, <laughs> yeah, Lieber, yeah, yeah, something <laughs> like that. Yeah. I only remember that because of that line. He's like, "I'm, your, I'm your dad, Alton. That's, that's the deal."
0: Yeah, that's the deal. It comes
2: yeah. with that.
3: So, so good. Well, I think. Well, I, I saw an interview with Jeff Nichols, and I love him. I want to, I don't like, I like his movies, but he just seems so, like, authentic and thoughtful. Yeah, and, he's and such finds a... finds these this balance between, um, just warm and heartwarming without letting the score of performances go. It never feels cheesy to me. I feel like Loving's
0: one of those movies that could very easily fall off of that tightrope yeah. and become either smaltzy,
3: schmaltzy or tasteless, yeah. and it's really not. It's right. really a beautiful movie. What well, he said is, is when he's, um, in an interview I saw, I said, when he's sort of dreaming up his next project or getting ready to write his next project, it really boils down to just one very personally resonant line or emotion or something that he's personally feeling or a line that he sort of keeps coming back to like a very simple, just mm-hmm. but very personal thread, mm-hmm. which, um, and he explained this about Midnight Special. I think he just had a daughter. Yeah. So it's like, this movie is just about protecting this young person. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'm going to put all of my personal life into mm-hmm. this screenplay. And therefore, it's like, you don't quite question it that much, even though he goes to all sorts of fun places. Right. Um, that central theme is solid. And I think loving, you know, without speculating too much is like he's further along in his marriage and yep. his wife and his family and he's like marriage is fucking important and hard work <laughs> and <laughs> there's challenges but um i think that was a the theme with that i wonder sort of where he was personally when mud was just like this resonates with me because i was thinking the same
2: thing i could i've heard him say that take shelter which i haven't seen but i've heard him say take shelter was the movie he made right before he had kids he knew he had a kid on the way and and take shelter was his expression of just the fear he had over this new stage of his life that was impending and and sort of starting to drown him the storm ah. the storm the impending <laughs> yeah. storm of a wow. child on its way and the fear he felt over what that was going how his world was going to change and that then you have midnight special where it's now I have a kid and oh, my world did change yeah. and here's how that feels now. Yeah. I and
1: wonder
0: so, if Mud is him reckoning with the idea of just, you know, and this is all speculative of course, of just I am now going to be the wisdom departer now that I have a kid. Right. I'm going to have to impart wisdom on some on somebody. I hope I can do this and maybe divorce myself from perspective enough mm-hmm. to reach a broad truth, but mm-hmm. Still maintain that valuable
4: perspective yeah. that or, would make or me or maybe a father. It's like taking stock, like you, like at that point, if that's 2012, and maybe he's he's getting married and there's a family on the way. Mm. The idea of, um, I don't know, like 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 the kind of end of childhood and now you're moving into adulthood and kind of looking back at at, at kind of growing up and what that feels like and kind of having this kind. Of, Fantastical story attached to it, and, and looking like, and yeah, looking up to older, like looking up to older filter, t- yeah, people as being filter, cool, exactly. Role model, and kind of like that. that, that kind of middle ground between what it feels like to be a kid and, and those kind of magical summers, you know. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then, an adult that's messed a lot of things up, which we all do, you mm-hmm. know. Like, mm-hmm. how do those two worlds kind of intersect? And they, you know, they kind of come like head to head in, in mud. Yeah, you know, do in an interesting way. I think that's that's cool that he's sort of committed
3: to just building a career out of such a simple personal yeah um motivations sort of is what you write about and then on the opposite like jeremy saunier which different approach equally as <laughs> <is laughs> yeah. impressive he's just like green room he's like i just i just want to make and see a movie where punk rockers kill nazis and i want to do it before my children are too old to see it yeah. like I, wanna, <laughs> I have to do it like before like you know they they have access to like you yeah. know netflix or whatever yeah. so um that's been his big well, thing. Yeah, He's well, just Jeremy's creative just, like, choices. just co- a f- really cool movie that I would want to see. <laughs> so I'm gonna go make it. Match yeah, yeah. a party
0: <laughs> with murder. <laughs> 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 <You think>? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let's film it.
3: In standard definition.
0: Yeah, yeah. Which of us. I still gotta watch. That. I really the know, whole, I'm hyped yeah. to see that
2: movie. Uh, we have a bunch of friends that like really like that movie. And oh, cool. kind of every Halloween, they're like, yeah, this should be the one that you do this year. You should watch this. <laughs> oh, and talk about Stings, man. We just like st- stung the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't know it. It was like, zing. Um,
3: yeah. Well, when you're making music for a movie, to,
0: to jump off of what we were saying about Jeff, Jeff, uh, Jeff Nichols, yeah. is there anything that you draw on personally to bring to a project? Or are you more beholden to the
3: text of the film? Try to find that balance. Th- yeah, text of the film of and the wishes of the
4: director. Mm-hmm. It feels like ultimately, like the the kind of final say and final approach rests with the director. Certainly, but I think we we try to yeah kind of bring an idea bring, to the table, bring an idea, yeah, and kind of not I, don't, I wouldn't say like insert ourselves into it, but yeah, a little bit of our experience or um you know something that kind of resonates with us finding. Finding something that makes sense and and especially if it's something you're trying to trying to find an emotional place. Like like wheel Man's one thing where there's like these you know, exciting moments, you know, yeah. and like you're you're just trying to get the adrenaline pumping. There's what mm-hmm. yeah, like, that's functional. A, there's a place to get in that, you know. But then um honestly one of my favorite moments with, with that film are, are the father-daughter yes. scenes. And I have a little daughter, and so like that was like all right, that's where I'm gonna go for the for this moment, you mm-hmm. know, like finding those moments in it because a lot of what we do is in the kind of thriller genre. It's like, mm-hmm. I don't know what it's like to be to get ready, ready to a machete. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, I have to yeah. kind of make that up. But then the moments where we're like, oh, I, I know what that feels like. Yeah. There's much of that that we can kind of get into. That That's like the really fun stuff. And it's almost, I think for probably both of us, like the quieter, more um, dramatic moments in films, I think we both are like, those are really exciting yeah, kind yeah. of places where we can kind of insert a little bit of like personal I a feel like there you probably have more
0: room to flex too because bit, there's yeah. not a lot of. I won't say story, but not a lot of like plot machinations
4: they yeah. have to match with. Yeah, yeah, just just getting like an. Um, this is the emotion we're going for, and if, and if you've kind of felt that, and Will and I talk about this a lot too. It's like you don't you don't often see you uh, know a lot of working composers are kind of at a certain point in their life, like you know you know forties, fifties, or older almost, and 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 you don't see a lot of young folks working in, in the field as much, and we and we and we feel like a, maybe some of that comes from just having. Enough life experiences to draw from, yeah. mm-hmm. where like, um, you know, you can be counted on to 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 kind of figure out what this feels like, and and that's because you've you've lived per- a little bit of it, perhaps you know, experienced something or something yeah. you without can pull from yeah. without all the murder, but at least <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: like
3: <laughs> you exactly. felt loss, yeah, loss, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 loss, yeah, yeah. grief, stress. Yeah. Um, uh, we could probably talk about Jonathan. I thought that was a a fun no, approach. Yeah. That yeah. it's not out yet. It we should all see it sometime this year hopefully yeah. um, it might do some festivals soon but mm-hmm. a, um a cool film um a director in New York named Bill Oliver wrote it um he had a sister he'd never had a brother he he wrote a movie about two brothers um two different consciousness that share the same body oh. so played by the same actor okay who sort of awakes and sleeps through different cycles and awakes as a different totally different character but Essentially, twins sharing the same body. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, sold. And What's it called? <laughs> it awesome. It's called Jonathan. Jonathan. Okay. Um, and in the movie, there's John. Yeah. And there's Jonathan, Jonathan. Okay. And they're um, they have different lifestyles and different interests and different um, careers and stuff. Almost, almost
4: it. polar opposites.
3: Right. But they're uh, they're essentially. I mean, they're essentially siamese in a certain. It's a baby driver kid. Yeah. Yes. No, Antelbert. word. Yeah. I love oh, it Right cool. on. And um, he mentioned something about. I, I forget how it started, but. Nonetheless, we said, oh, it'd be interesting to work on a score for brothers as as brothers. And then yeah. we, des- we decided very loosely to sort of split up and um, offer the suggestion to, like, um, you would sort of think more about Jonathan and I would think more about John. And mm-hmm. And we talked about this blend of electronic, sort of more angular textures and sounds yeah. and also orchestral and strings and warmer mm-hmm. sounds and course weaving them together yeah, and, and doing kind of what the picture needs and and what bill needed but finding enough sort of separation between the two characters and also the division of actual composition between the two of us yeah uh, that was our approach i think by the time we got done done with it we're like let's we both need to in weave the, in and out yeah yeah sort of well, work both characters mm-hmm, together mm-hmm. um but we There's intentionally starting started idea was like let's like do a, like this yeah. and then
4: of course it, it kind of it morphed and was had needed more of an organic approach to it but um yeah, that was interesting. I think that uh, is like, intrui- like trying to or at least like and and, and there were some kind of weird similarities with the character the two characters that we each shared and we so I think we brought a little bit of like,
2: all right, this what this sounds like and, you know, into into the score. Um, and is there one of you that is more uh, electronically minded than orchestrally minded or I'm
3: more John, you're more John. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I'm probably more no. on the sense side, you're probably more on the
4: orchestral, you know, string side of things. I mean that that's a not a hard I know line, that's a yeah, yeah yeah um or just sometimes the the instruments we, we gravitate towards are different and and even just approaches and and mindsets yeah mm-hmm. maybe I think we all we, we both kind of favor the same kind of textures and sounds like this is where it needs to go, but we probably yeah, approach we, things a little differently so we we, we ultimately totally agree yeah um but like I think I, I, there's enough space and time we're kind of like um, to forget who did what, you know. Yeah, In the yeah, middle yeah. of the score, it's like you're like, "Wills, Wills tackling this, I'm tackling this." But yeah. over time, it's kind of like, "Who, do who did, Like, where would that come yeah. from?" And if I had to do anything creative with my sister,
0: love her to death. But if we had to do anything creative together, one of us would end up dead, <laughs> and, and you know, probably me.
4: <laughs> We've gotten so, good at making up. That's like it's like an art <laughs> form. Like, nice. We yeah. should have like a therapist in the corner room, like Bob, <laughs> yeah. jump no, in. That's so amazing. That's tell me <laughs> why you use
2: that saxophone. <laughs> yeah. Just kidding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's great advice, actually. It's not. You, you brought up a saxophone. <laughs> <laughs> it, it the that saxophone. Literally, that was a huge fight. Was, a that, was that a thing? A huge fight. Huge
3: I'll just share. It. That was the first instrument from. Don't talk about
4: my fake saxophones. From Macon's
3: movie, from Ruth's theme. How are we going to do that? was like, Dude, we had like a meltdown for like 48 hours over. Goddamn Let's not day. talk for a week. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So you're never going to reboot Lethal Weapon then. That's yeah, just yeah, not yeah. going <laughs> to yeah. happen. Never gonna no, no. Maybe, like maybe now we know how to do it. We're like, smooth makeup.
2: You're never going to score a John Woo movie. <laughs> <laughs> not opposed to it. Call me John Woo. <laughs> uh, that was actually great advice, though. You did not give the advice that, uh, hey, we learned to fight less. You gave the advice we learned to make up. Hey. And I think that might actually be good oh, advice. Yeah. Well, like well, in I general, think, yeah. any creative yeah. relationship, you're gonna yeah. butt heads.
4: Even, I mean, not siblings or not. You're gonna like have to work through a problem and, and yep. find a creative solution where it works for everyone. And I think for for us, it's like we we kind of butt heads a lot quicker because that that filter is gone. It's just yeah. like I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're gonna push each, each other's buttons pretty quickly. No, but, I'm not. No, I'm not. <laughs> but we're gonna, we're also gonna like squash it that much quicker. It's not yeah, like we absolutely. have to stew. It's just like the next day. It's like, all right, I see your point. Once we both have calmed down, then it's like ultimately i think we always agree where we want to end up and and if we have different ways of getting there that's fine and also i think you know it it kind of presents more opportunities for the films we work on you know Mm -hmm. that we're coming at we can kind of come at it from a couple couple different angles and if if we really can't get on the same page then we just present a couple ideas yeah and it's like then the director has more to choose from and you know at that point it's like whatever works for the film is is the best idea and that's kind of how we move forward <coughs> it's wild, yeah, yeah. And I don't, I don't think,
3: do we, I don't think we like we're cool. able to. We don't work double time. I don't think we do the work of t- two. I think we, no. uh, but we do. We are able to bring like I don't know. There's two perspectives, or mm-hmm. a, a lot of guys and and a lot of guys and gals that are doing what we do. You know, are very isolated and insulated, and they get notes from the director, and otherwise they're they're working on their own and with a handful of musicians they bring in. We have this like safety net sort of like have no problem saying that is that sucks or that's corny or that's yeah whatever um I think that keeps us working like a little faster or a little just more efficiently.
2: I was gonna ask if you guys have felt yourself like um getting more confident with each movie where like are like do you feel like you are more willing to like present your own ideas to the people you're worried like was that ever something that you like first couple movies you're just kind of listening and going yep sure whatever boss thumbs up and like now you're a little more you know able to push some of your own ideas or i think it's a little bit of both
4: yeah we're kind of like
2: we're gaining
4: confidence but i think we're also slowly being asked to do a little bit more okay and we're kind of like like i said earlier we we look for those opportunities and um Danny Elfman
3: said just a couple years ago, like after his I don't know a dozenth or whatever feature with specifically with um with Tim uh, Burton, Tim, yeah. He mm-hmm. said just the moment where the first drafts and sketches or or demos or the first cues are sent off to Tim Burton for review. He said it's the scariest moment of still like every every single time does yeah. not get easier when you first send that original idea off, and then but you have to, and then you you're able to start talking about it, and yeah. Maybe you get good news or not, but um it I think it's part of the process, so I think yeah. we've gotten easier, just like hitting send <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. And no, yeah it's still
4: terrifying yeah it's and just then like, and ugh. then. <laughs>
0: I think that goes with anything that requires multiple drafts. Like, yeah. yeah, I know a hundred percent of the things that I write that I'm proud of, I hated first. Yeah, and the yeah. hardest thing is just being like, all right, I'm taking a day and coming yeah. back to it, or the thing just so th- that you can get. Yeah, it's like that's the send, you know.
4: And the thing you think is like really great, and you put a lot of time into it. We're like, oh, that's it, and then it gets shot down. That stings, but then you ultimately end up in another place that you mm-hmm. didn't think you were going to get to, and it gives like, you something well, to talk about. Too. And then, yeah. mm. and at that point, you're like, well, that was it all along. So, yeah, yeah. If yeah, we yeah, knew yeah. it was that, we would have gone there quicker, but. Had to you knock know, that wall down. Yeah. yeah, it's like you had to kind of go through this process of like, this doesn't work, this doesn't work, to find a place where like, you come up with something fairly original and and yeah. new, hopefully new, and something that fits the film in a unique way. Well, I see and,
2: what you're saying. Like even if you put a lot of work into the. First thing you send out, and the response is just like, no, not at all. What we're oh, in like for one it. sentence, it can be like, Ugh. right, yeah. It's but like rewrite, it's done. But, but that's your starting point. Like yes. that at least gives you conversation to have about yeah. okay. Then what is the direction? Then yeah. like yes. this that starts that conversation of okay. Well, then where are we going, and yeah. how are we going to get there? That's that's interesting. And we've gotten to like
3: version. Five, six, and seven, just to revert back to to version one or two, yeah. Because oh, yeah, there was something there that yeah, Mm -hmm. um, like was working best. We
0: both came out of stand-up comedy, and one of the hardest, the the best piece of advice I ever got about stand-up stand-up comedy is the most painful, which was record your set, write it down word for word, and then just cut everything that doesn't need to be there. Yeah, and it's the worst when you have like oh, I've got five pages of gold material, and then you cut down to half a page of. Actual gold material. Yeah. <laughs> and It's like, yeah. and it sucks because you know it's heartbreaking. But you ultimately find these jokes that you weren't writing to begin with, yeah. and it's like yeah. it's the same deal where you just yeah. so it is
4: helpful. Got to
3: throw I mean, it out there, yeah. and then it you know mm-hmm. all kill, kill your darlings. It, yeah. kill you.
4: Absolutely, yeah. well, I think we do that a lot too. And in, in approaching certain moments that we're working on, we we tend to overscore stuff. Like we'll kind of mm. like start our starting point is like, all right, let's just fill this out. Yeah, kind of sonically, like let's fill it all up, and then almost before we send it to the director, we know we need to like start to peel it back, yeah. mm. cut it back. And then even after that, after kind of going through notes, we tend to like keep cutting away at it. And sometimes it, you just get back to like one or two instruments. And, like, that's mm-hmm. all it needed the whole time. We, we had to go and make it huge to get back to the first two mm-hmm. things. like That's the heart of it. And it's, simp- it's way more simplistic and cuts through and, and, and makes more sense. But sometimes you just having the, kind of, the wherewithal to know that that's, like, yeah. it's hard to start there, like, this is oh, all it yeah. needs. David was saying um,
3: that D- Jeff requested horns, just like some simple horns yeah. in, in the mud score, and um, and David said, you know, I, I mocked some stuff up with like you know fake horns, yeah. mid, midi horns, and I got horn players to come in, and this, someone he was working with had a, happened to have a French horn, and he was experimenting with all these different horns, and he just didn't get anything right until someone just held out a really really quiet long note and never changed the note. <laughs> just one note and jeff nichols was like that's it that's, that's, it. that's <laughs> perfect i, I want to go back and see mud again after that story that's and just so li- listen out yeah. for like i feel like, like I he just wanted though and and that's when david described it as color and he's like it's like sometimes you have to think about it less like music and you feel like you're not doing your job or you are cheapening something or cheating something mm-hmm. if you just mm-hmm. hold one note but sometimes like, any more than that is more than it needs. and Yeah, uh, that's interesting. You have to find the right note and the right instrument. Yep. And then you know, trust it gets mixed at the right level. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then it just becomes a color. And,
0: yeah. And that that's really interesting. Yeah. Steve, um, friend of the show, he yeah. used to date uh, a woman who played harp. Mm-hmm. And so we were at a party at her house, and all the people she went to school with were composers. Mm. And I asked one of them, you know, a complete layperson, I was like, how does how does one compose a song? Like, how does one do it? And he was like, I just write a story. <laughs> and that was yeah. his throwaway answer, but yeah. it blew my mind because I thought, "Yeah, I guess that's what you're doing." You know, like I write a story; my medium is words. Yeah, you know, it's it's it sounds yeah. for him, and it's just yeah, I guess it's the same thing. But when I thought about like, you know, any compositions that I like do not tell a literal story, but do take me on that journey yep. of where to feel and exactly what a good story's functions are. And I I think that's
3: a an accurate way to describe it, which are probably. Yeah, same way approaching a piece of music, probably pace and rhythm. Mm-hmm. Like getting there, trimming the fat, getting there a little mm-hmm. quicker, and just having like a simple enough spine to it where you're not overcomplicating the spine, whether it's just the melody or the storyline or the well, or whatever. We refer to story, we always refer to beats in the yeah. story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it it is the same yeah. function. Which is why film has felt it totally horrifying and because it's like <laughs> um because it is a lot of people are trained and we're not as much as just trained making or experience making music. Yes, but yep. as far as, um, you know, just jumping in someone else's project that they've often spent decades dreaming about, years writing. They've often spent all of their money and a bunch of other people's money and we are the last step. <laughs> and it's like you are responsible for... um. This very delicate tone, <laughs> yeah. Lubricate please, our story. Get please in there. don't yeah. fuck it up. <laughs> yeah, it's horrifying. Yeah, uh, but in some way, and so it, it is always just scary jumping in. But in some ways, it does feel natural because editing is linear and rhythmic, and yeah, stories are very rhythmic, yeah. and you can quickly start to see like, uh, yeah, rhythms and like patterns that feel musical. And uh, I think we often know when we're. Hitting on something pretty natural. We've sent stuff out for review that is bad, and you just have to do that. You're like, I don't feel good about this, and you don't feel good about this, but you have to do it in order to get yeah some feedback and like right to re- just get started really
2: calibrate. on the actual process, which is the yeah, yeah. the back and forth. There's oh, yeah.
0: so, uh, no such thing as a good writer that doesn't have an editor. Yeah, it's yeah. just not. Yeah, it yeah. won't happen
2: um i've been I've been wanting to ask this all night, and you kind of keep like hitting on things that remind me to ask so one of the things i've never been able to like parse out in my head about composing music for film is the idea that to me a lot of the best scores are 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 not structured like a song right like we were, you guys were talking about this earlier they're not structured like a song they're structured for the movie they're structured for the the picture itself um and i I've never been able to parse out in my head how that would even work how you would make something that ultimately does have melody and structure of a kind but that structure is based wholly on a series of images that Mm -hmm. are coming across the screen like i wouldn't even know where to begin with like okay well the piece starts here and then it moves here and then here's where it gets I, i it seems like it seems like if i had to sit down with a piano and watch 30 seconds of something I would hit one note, and then the 30 <laughs> seconds would be over. And then I'd have just to start over. Halloween and feet. then, I, Yeah, like, <laughs> I just, I feel like it would move <laughs> exactly. by so fast. I wouldn't be able to oh, yeah. figure it out. I don't know. It's I, I don't.
0: I feel like at the end, I'd be like, oh, my God, I hate this movie. I've seen it like a hundred yeah, yeah, times. Yeah, so yeah. well, there's
2: that. But it's like, do you start without picture? Like, okay, we know the feeling we're going for, and so we'll put something together there. And then once we get picture, we'll sort of adapt it for that or, like,
3: That works less. I feel like I feel like seeing the picture is starts to become everything. I think it is something that I think it's like experience. I think we got such a long way to go, but I think our first murder party, for example, or blue ruin was just like, um, yeah, where do we start? And now it does start to see patterns of things that work, um, beats to hit. Yeah, Um, and so and then stop like throwing anything about timing yeah in relation to music out of the window. Yeah. Because you can't get married to it. You'll never get through the scene. Right. So um
4: but seeing things to hit like but but some scenes do have tempos and like paces to them. It's just like getting out of like a four four kind of chord. Yeah. So like here are the four chords I'm gonna hit yeah, getting out of that. Right. Or some are just so loose that yeah, there's like there's some we do to a grid and yeah. click okay. track, some okay. are just completely away from that yeah. and fluid and, and um, it's kinda like picking apart the whole thing, like here's this big elephant. You know, you just kinda take these little pieces like the this is the first ten seconds, the first four bars, whatever it is, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. just kind of figuring out kind of beats to hit and, huh. and, and moments and like do we wanna hit this cut really hard? Or do we wanna like kind of ease into, ease into it, it mm-hmm. and not make that obvious and making all those decisions and a lot of it's just trial and error, like just trying it, and it's like, oh that that's a little too on the nose, or um or we do need to ramp it up. We do For need sure. to make like really kind of heavier decisions and yeah. that's all just i don't there's not like a handbook for it it's like right just try it and then yeah. it either the works or doesn't mm-hmm. the, the cl- like goosebumps
3: think- like are, we, are we getting are we ever getting goosebumps and the director like I got goosebumps yeah jeremy Sonnet calls it when his butt hurts <laughs> <laughs> he's like oh man that like, ba- like when the, right when the bass came in right at the, when he looked up made my butt hurt <laughs> <laughs> nice. okay I, like, I guess it means like the seat rumbles, or yeah. you just feel something emotional like deep inside, <laughs> yeah. or whatever. I love that that's part of his vocabulary. Yeah, dude, like, this makes is good. But can you can I you hurt, hurt my butt? butt. To <laughs> hurt my butt more. Um, so as long as we get to a place where we feel like that, and we call it carving a lot as well, where we we'll get like a lot of musical elements in place, there could be a little more structure than what it needs, like more just layers movement. that are in sync with each other. Yeah, and then you say, yeah, but if if like. You know the trumpet comes in right on the scene break or whatever it doesn't feel right so let's just like literally carve it away um, remove parts of that performance and just keep a little snippet and maybe even just move it somewhere that's unexpected um, it works better so it, d- it sort of becomes a sculpture we're, we're literally looking at you know sound waves of recorded stuff and and shifting things around
4: to better yeah, that's match a, that's the a picture big part of is choosing the instruments and then the composing and then editing stuff and kind yeah. of moving stuff around. And so I think that's the interesting part about working the pictures. like it, it'll, it, it will tell you like how much it's going to take. Like yeah. when we add too much bass to something, it's like, it's very clear if like, it just, it doesn't like the picture is telling us this doesn't feel right. So yeah. then yeah. hit mute. And it's like, it's almost like once it feels like everything's happening naturally, then maybe we're at a stop. It yeah. Before. Yeah. And yeah. Until okay. you get there, it's, just a trial and error we,
3: we've been finding ways to like release um most of the scores that you were able to find yeah. just because we wanted them out there just um i I
2: found them on Spotify by the way that cool. was yeah
3: we try to get everything up on Spotify when we can yeah. um just for whoever might want to just hear what it is and, and there's some guys that like regularly review stuff and mm-hmm. we've gotten the same review and to us. And they're like very mediocre reviews. Yeah, yeah. And to us, they're really good reviews because yeah. it's the same thing. Kind of like, it's never quite like hitting this huge peak. It's a cool sound and I just want it to like explode right at the climax and it never does. And, but I haven't seen the movie. So I don't know how <laughs> yeah, the music yeah, functions yeah, in the movie. Yeah. And then the same guy that's reviewing it quite often is like, like I, I get it. They're actually writing music for the movie. So yeah. it's not so there's not the huge melody that peaks at the course. It's right. not a double yep. course and yep. there's not like uh, you know big payoff. A big payoff yeah. sometimes yeah. because a scene doesn't require that. No, yeah. Moment, so
0: it's really I'll interesting that I listened to Wheelman at work today. Yeah. And there's worked, some payoffs. I worked very hard harder <laughs> than usual because i was yeah. just kind of plugging away and, yeah. you know doing joe my thing, carnahan so.
4: actually just tweeted he's like if you want to feel like a badass drive around your car and listen to one, the wheelman score oh, like, yes, thank yeah. you, thank yeah, you joe
2: yeah man, carnahan's just yeah. I yeah. love that man. yeah <laughs> i have one follow-up on that what i was asking before and it was kind of why i asked the question in the first place so okay so you get a movie right and you're scoring to that picture mm-hmm. do you only get a movie when they have locked picture every edit's made and it would be a beautiful thing. Well <laughs> and uh, no, sometimes it's not.
4: Sometimes, well, sometimes ca- well, I can it could be a work in progress. Now, a lot of times it's 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 a rough well a couple of different ways we approach it. Sometimes there are demos where yeah. we we've only read the script. And a lot of times that's Jeremy's and Macon's film where we, we're hired early on and we yeah. get to like demo and get ideas going. A lot of them aren't gonna work. Sometimes they do end up in the film. But most of the time it's like we're getting started with a rough cut. Mm-hmm. Um which we know is gonna change.
2: So there has to be some kind of leeway. In that's edit. why I asked because I imagine uh, that's. I, I imagine if I were making a movie, I wouldn't want to lock picture until I had some of the soundtrack elements, right? Because I might want to do make some different editing choices based on from some of yeah,
4: that. and from the editing side of it and the filmmaker side. It, yes, getting like the score going earlier benefits them. Sometimes, like it makes our life easier if yeah. we're working to a lock cut, but yeah. that never happens. And even when it's locked, it's never locked, right? And even once it's like. Done. Even still, it gets opened back up. Well, so
2: how does that change it for you guys then? Like, if if the idea is uh, like we are we're scoring the picture, and and the score needs to match the picture, but the picture is continuously changing through your process of writing the score. We're never done. Yeah, that's <laughs> like that is just crazy. I don't know. That seems like a snake eating its own tail. That would you know just eventually disappear, and you wouldn't have a movie a anymore. Bit, it a flat circle. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, This
4: we we've we become really good music editors ourselves. So a yeah. lot of it's like. Finding creative ways to cut down, usually cut down what we've done. Sometimes elongate what we've done. Yeah. Um, a, a handful of films we've had an actual music editor, and it would be their job to kind of help that with that process. But most of the That's time, the budgets be- don't allow for that. And but the cool thing about this, and this this is when I have a lot of fun too, is with when we do get it's it's a curveball. It's like we have this perfectly mapped out piece of music, the picture, and then at the eleventh hour, it changes, and we have to cut it down. And sometimes we end up losing. That extra chord or these extra yeah. moments and you have to do creative edits with the music where yeah, like Will said, we're literally looking at waveforms and just coming up with something new. And then the composition's composition almost becomes something that you want to have come up with being so tied to the picture. And like yeah. you kinda you're kind of opened up and you're you're being forced to have a new create create creative approach with it. And um that's like like nine out of ten cues that we've done every film has gotten edited to some degree. Yeah, it's, it's, it's shave very off five rare seconds. that it's like... Yeah. Yeah. And that's the difference between
3: a chord progression or a melody or just some mood that feels right versus feels wrong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um And yeah. there are music editors often that are there to support and help with that, but also I think it can be so nuanced that it's like... Not that we're precious about the music itself, but it's like uh, we... Prefer to do those edits rather than oh, just right let someone else do the, yeah. the busy work. It, like it becomes like you said a new part of the composition mm-hmm. that um, that we like to you know
2: head up I guess. to be part of. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. absolutely. Have you ever had to go the other way where you nailed something musically and it affected the movie? Where someone said, "Oh, I want to hold on to this music portion, and we're going to shave <laughs> the movie to fit that." Uh,
3: every one of Jeremy's movies, yeah, a, a early says, demo has made it in. That he w- says demo. Or before we even start shooting, blue Ruin, green room, and did we do hold the dark something early? Yeah. Yeah, there were versions of A demos. Bunch of that yeah. Stuff yeah.
4: So he hears the this opening speech. theme that we're just like, nah, we're gonna do better than that, and then yeah. it was like, no, nope, that's it's
3: in. Yeah. There. So he um, and it just I think time that he sits with it and he just mm-hmm. like on his headphones while he's writing, while he's shooting, um, or just when he gets to finally edit, he plops it in and he gets it so early that I think he edits to it mm-hmm. and or it kind of works and he also just gets attached to it mm-hmm. and we've often said no man that was like a demo we spent 20 minutes on <laughs> yeah. um 20 good minutes <laughs> like for your instruction we just like he he gave us a mood and some general like instruments to try and that's the benefit of not being married so
4: to pictures it's just like you're just trying something that feels yeah. like the movie or right. feels like the script mm. yeah. you may not have even seen anything and that's when it's like there's a little piece of gold in there but, but we always try to like, like we
3: feel like Man, it's not we a didn't do fair. our job. <laughs> yeah, it's like um, feel che- like we're cheating you if you're actually putting something <laughs> that took twenty <laughs> minutes in your movie. And and so we off we're like, let us do version two, three, four. He's yeah, like, you can do it, and we'll try it. In every case, that was Roost theme
4: too. Roost theme. For real? Yeah, it was kind of like that was an yeah. early like the first crack at that. We and sort of second guessed a
3: little bit. Yeah. and tried version two or three, and
4: and we cleaned it up. We added a lot of like like better sounding instrumentation, but at the core of it, that was a demo as well. It was just like just throwing something at the wall and, uh, yeah, you never know what's going to fit. And that, that's, that's the other interesting thing about film is like putting music against a scene. You just never know like, wow, like how nuanced it can be. And like, sometimes like the, not the obvious choice can have such a big impact. Um, you know, so when we, so when it's our job to kind of come up with that, sometimes the the obvious choices are not the ones that end up working,
3: you know? But more often than not, we bang our heads against the wall for for months, <laughs> hours. Yeah, <laughs> finally, finally wrestle it into shape.
2: That I heard. I can't remember who it was with, but I heard an interview with a composer, and I, I think it was some. You know, it might have even been um, Mark Mothersbaugh. I, I can't remember, um, but it was someone who's worked on on like really big movies. You know, uh, and they were it might even been Leonard Maltin interviewing him, but they were talking about this idea that like now in the modern blockbuster era, a lot of things are prevized, and so like action scenes will have been developed in computers before Mm -hmm. any director is even hired necessarily. Mm -hmm. And, you know, all this stuff. Uh, Jurassic world. Yeah. Yeah. Jurassic world. (laughs) Jesus. Uh, The, the, what he said was that like, so directors of those movies tend to get married to the temp score that there is temp score that's put in throughout the movie and they tend to get married to it. And especially with stuff that's pre-vised, it's a whole sequence that has been designed for, months before anybody even got there to really shoot anything. They already had some temp score over it. Now it's already edited to be this very specific sequence that has these specific edits in it. And what other piece of music is going to work for it than the temp music that we cut it all to? Right. Um, I think and, that's
0: why a lot of the Marvel movies, it just sounds so busy. Yeah,
2: It's just busy. but
0: it I mean, It's fine, but it it yeah. is purely functional yeah like that's it yeah
2: so i sorry i was just gonna ask though like does that have you guys run into that at all like uh like in in sort of the realm of movies you're working in where you get presented with something and they're kind of married to what they already have there and you have to work to that as opposed to like well, what you feel is right or that that is
4: temp love temp love that is it's, it is, it is well, a this is very real okay. thing yeah
2: Really um,
3: like a bumper sticker It's such a nerdy bumper <laughs> sticker. It's like temp love is real. <laughs> yeah. Um because you, you and you hear these directors that, that it sounds up. like a soul artist. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You heard the new temp love? <laughs> it, it's, it's pretty real. good. It's real. <laughs>
4: <laughs> but um, it's a blessing and a curse sometimes. It it's like to have something like, like the Marvel stuff, like where it's mapped out to beats. Sometimes that can like half the work is done. It's almost like, all right, this is the tempo. We know we know we need to hit these kind yeah. of beats. That's one thing. But when a director is so kind of married to that or they've sat with it for so long, but yeah, like before anything else has happened yeah. or before there's even a composer hired and they've just, it's just, that is the only piece of music that's going to work. Then like wrestling that away from them yeah. and like showing them version one, two, three, four, it, it can, that's a kind of uphill battle. We have to climb a lot, but I feel like every director is like, yeah, I don't have simple of, and it's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the best is when they admit it. The best is when they admit Like <laughs> yeah. this is the one moment I have at significant. At, at least on. admit. Yeah, <laughs> then, then it's kind of like you kind of have to get in that world and, yeah. and, and do your your version of it, but without getting sued.
2: That was the that was the thing that uh, whoever I was listening to was talking about was like there. It, it was like you'll find a few pieces of music I've written on a few different movies where you'll realize you're actually not listening to my piece of music. You're listening <laughs> to my. Not even Ring. all that vague approximation of somebody else's music mm-hmm. that they already wrote. So I I was talking to David Wingo today yeah. and I
3: said and we're and we're also, you know, um, Oh, this is a good story. We're working on some um a movie with, with a couple of your pieces from mud and it's like a lot of fun. And he's like, Oh, you're just getting me back because I got stuck with your Blue Ruin stuff <laughs> and temp and and uh with at um a Bill Hader project and apparently oh. Bill Hader was like
2: just more of that blue ruin stuff. That's more, of that blue so funny. stuff. Like, more that blue ruin stuff. we're like, is that the HBO show he's doing? I just saw a trailer for that today. <laughs> What's it called? If you... uh, Barry? That's is that it? the one yeah. where he's the assassin. Yes. Yeah, that looks it. great. It looks real good. That that that's looks, good. Looks, I love yeah. Billy. Yeah, man. yeah. And by the way, he's just great. from the trailer, blue ruin music makes sense <laughs> yeah, in oh, the yeah, tone of yeah. that <laughs> piece for <Okay>. sure. Yeah. <laughs>
3: wow. Oh, cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So we do. We all we all
3: share like we share that. So funny. Um. And uh, like, uh, Danny Bency, and. Urien Saunders, great yep. t- a pair of composers that are based in New York. They're fantastic. Um, I bumped into Danny and and we were working on a project that had a bunch of their stuff temped in. and we were like just over uh, uh, intimidated by it or overthinking it or this was part of mm. Sweet Virginia and yeah. um and I bumped into him and I'm like we're like not sure where to go. He's like, oh, I just had a bunch of players improv. Just get a bunch of people that know how to play and just have them improv. <laughs> and it totally like lightened the pressure of it a little bit where we yeah like, that's cool okay, we don't have to copy him which is yeah get like in that world yeah. yeah that's really
2: interesting I, i'm just like fascinated by those kinds of processes because you know movies are a million tiny art forms mm-hmm. that make one piece of art by the end of it it's a shame i mean it's a it's not a shame it's amazing that
4: any movie is good it's
0: it, <laughs> like when you see all the pieces that go in it, yeah well the good, how did they nail it the yeah. good
4: so ones regularly. are when like every department is like firing on like 110 yeah, so like yeah. everyone is no one's there for the like the day job everyone yeah. is like probably going above and beyond it and, and that's that's blue ruin that's I don't feel at home that's when every department is like we're excited to be here we're like mm. enthusiastic about every aspect yeah. of this and long hours long days rewrites whatever it is like oh we want to get this right no one's like it's time to go home mm-hmm. yeah. you know i feel like the the really really classic great movies that just pop up every now and again are ones where like every department is is killing it. There's a, a weak link. It's like, oh, I, yeah, you I was see taken it. out of it. Or some something, something is off. But when the whole fabric is is perfect, it's. I think it just it is. It's every department collaborating, or everyone knows what everyone else is doing, or something. There's this. There's yeah, you're all energy into to something it. A little bigger. Yeah, 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 and believing in it. You know, I think there's yeah. a lot of movies were like clearly it's like, you guys phone that in. There's a paycheck. Yeah, concessions there. were made. Yeah, but yeah, I think the special ones are like ones when you know everyone is. <laughs> invested in it and it's you know it's not just the director's vision it's like everyone feels a part of it yeah and
2: that's that's important well i don't want to keep you too long gentlemen we're about to approach the two hour mark oh here. damn yeah wow. can i ask this
0: question yeah my favorite score that i've heard in ages was for swiss army man yeah uh, how did you feel about that i loved it yeah, yeah.
2: that is a what, what's that band called the, the uh manchester manchester yeah. yeah
3: and i wasn't that familiar with those guys before that and mm-hmm. i loved what they did and i've loved there's their songwriter, their band stuff. Mm, in, yeah. in addition. I think um to have like a dead body as a character in the movie oh, and yeah. then all these body parts making up yes. a lot of the yes. score. Yep. <laughs> Acapella singing mouths. I yeah. think they were like like you know, like yeah, hand bone hand is bones, what they call that, right? Smacking their thighs. Yeah. Um and more bodies than actual um instruments instruments yeah like, or just like a nice blend of it that you don't know and also
2: that stuff is like diegetic to the movie itself yeah. like half the time oh, the characters the are literally like making the score noises in the it's scene what's his name right.
0: daniel radcliffe learning to
2: talk yeah half
0: the score is him going just
2: yeah yeah and great. then they invoke jurassic park yes yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's
0: one of those movies to me that i felt like everybody was firing on all cylinders yeah. like yeah. that is i love that one yeah. agreed
2: yeah great score it's so interesting uh, I just, I had never seen that in a movie, I don't think, where they, they took literal, like, sounds that I knew as a viewer, I was watching the characters mm-hmm. make and then turn them into the score of the the movie. Yeah, that's such a fever dream of an anymore. insane man's, yeah. you know, narrative that uh, yeah. it, it ends up
0: working. Yeah, yeah.
2: Interesting. Uh, So, uh, final thoughts on Mud? I know that's like ultimately one of the things we're here to talk about. Any anybody have closing thoughts on Mud? Anything they want to get out off their chest? You should definitely be well rested before watching a movie (laughs) because, like I said, I was completely off off board and I'm ready to give it a
0: perfect score. I was really moved by it. I was really floored by it. It was one of those movies that ended and then I wound it back and watched the last act again just because I was so feeling good
3: about it. Yeah, Yeah. it's good stuff. Yeah, I'm glad you revisited for oh
0: absolutely i've been meaning to because i knew i was harsh on it and i've loved everything else nichols has done so it's like i, I owe it to that and mm, one of those movies i was
2: probably never going to see even though i like jeff nichols like it's just one of those movies that didn't really capture my imagination when it came mm. out and everybody was like it's good and i was it's like yeah here much it's it good captures imagination yeah, yeah, too, yeah i know, you know it's like things. yeah i'll watch it it's one of those like yeah i'll watch it movies when deep down i'm like i know i'm not that interested in mud so Thankfully, you guys brought it here, and I, I had it And nice. I, now it's like, yeah, of course, I should have watched that movie. Watch so like, I don't know why I know, I'm yeah. watch it again too. the thing. I know I'm going to watch it again.
4: we're also seeing where a filmmakers headed too. It's kind of exciting too. Like, oh right? yeah, we're talking about with Jeremy going back to Murder Party, and just, just just to see like you're going to see kind of some
3: that arc sensibilities, like where, yeah, but like, yeah, where, but like where things um, start. See the beginning of yeah, Nichols' arc
2: or Jeremy's mm-hmm. arc. Yeah, it's yeah, so cool. It's one of my favorite things about Dark Star. Early John Carpenter, first oh, first John Carpenter movie. I you ever see that? No, I've not seen that. Dark Star is a sci fi movie he made in college uh, that he co wrote with Dan O'Bannon, the writer of uh, Alien and oh, Return wow. of the Living Dead. He wrote Dead. that
0: awesome zombie segment in Heavy Metal. Yes, he did. With the Zombies on the Planes. Uh, mm. uh, so. It is,
2: uh, it's pretty good. It honestly, it's weird because it predates Star Wars and has a bunch of ideas that you're like, yo, that's Wait, fucking yeah, yeah, yeah. R2D2. <laughs> uh, like, oh, that oh, is oh. for sure R2D. Like, yeah. there's a bunch of weird things where you're like, how is this pre-Star Wars? Like that did, doesn't even make sense. Did
4: Carpenter do the music as well?
2: Uh, yes, he did do the wow. music for yeah. it. Um, it, but it does. You know, I think Assault on Precinct Thirteen is what he made after it, and that mm. is the one where it really feels like he like he nails yeah. what that mu- the sound of his music is and what he's right. going for. Dude, I Dark think his Star best doesn't score is
0: Starman. Oh, Starman score is like it's like a space soap opera yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, but it's just. Oh it's so good.
2: He's just like he's not there yet with Dark Star, you know. And and the whole movie is that way. He's not there yet. He's right, like I this see. not formed yeah. filmmaker yet. But it's pretty good and it's interesting. It's like a weird blue he's collar comedy in, like, set in yeah. space. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Cool. Nice. Um but anyway, yeah, I, I love that too. I like getting to see like early work from directors that I'm already yeah. like very appreciative of yeah. um, just to try and see those like little hallmarks and those dog ears and stuff. They're like trying that are something. Yeah, can yeah. See what they're trying. yeah.
0: Yeah. I think that was key with this time around with Nichols too, is like I said before, having seen midnight special yeah. and realized uh, what kinds sense. of like tones he's willing to weave yeah. together. Mm-hmm. Suddenly it all played together as opposed to feeling it like it was at odds with itself. Yeah. Right. It kind of felt like a more complete
2: product. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, thank you guys very much. Thank for, you. for having so us bring awesome. that movie. Yeah. Uh and thanks for being here. So, uh is there anything you guys want to like plug? You want people to be able to find you on Twitter, online, anything you have coming out, anything you want people to buy like rampantly? We have a huge, huge, huge fan base that'll just <laughs> buy, buy, buy. How buy. huge
3: are you out there, <laughs> listeners? <laughs> um, um Yeah, I and think I think one thing that was important to us in the last year or so was argument, like releasing scores that Oftentimes, we don't even own. They get tangled up in proprietary things with the film itself. But stuff that we spent a lot of time on to picture, we like to just have available. So we launched a a record label. Oh, It's just the two of us. Um, And then we quickly realized it'd be dumb just to put out our own music, (laughs) which we do a lot of. But we're sort of inviting and finding other composers specifically with film-related projects to release their stuff. Because it is easy to get things out sort of digitally, Spotify, um, iTunes. But it's not easy to... Sometimes wrestle a score, or, or work with the production rather to help sort of push the score um, and release it with the film itself. So yeah. we got organized just enough to do that on our own. Wayfind Records, dot com. Yeah, we did a some vinyl stuff. I was gonna things. ask, could we I worked d- on like Sweet Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, we gotta get some stores around town, but right now we're doing yeah. like Bandcamp, um, yeah, iTunes, and Amazon, yeah. Um, and just released a great score by Brian McComer, who did who works with Trey, Trey Schultz.
4: Schultz? Yes. Um,
2: oh so Trey did... Schultz. Oh, we dude, we love his movie. Yeah.
3: So Brian and, uh, did Krisha. Krisha and is yeah. so good. And then um, um it, comes it, comes at the night. it comes night. night. Oh, man, and that movie floored me. Yeah, it. he's got a new one coming, right? He's got a new one coming. He's got a bunch of stuff going on. Yeah. we released a score from a film called The Strange Ones. Strange Yeah. Um which just came out. Yeah. It's a limited theatrical thing and it's streaming now. Um about yeah. a month and a half ago. And, and Brian did right. this really cool bottle of esque like flute fluty, <laughs> forward score. <laughs> yeah. Um and so yeah, look out for that. I we're gonna keep it. we're gonna keep trying to put up for the strange ones. Yeah, it's, it's right awesome. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's oh so yes, cool. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. It's cool. So we're gonna keep um and the Menage. For composers. Yeah. And Menasha was a was a great uh, film that came out on A twenty four. I haven't seen that yet. The
0: trailers look so cool. That's the one with the acidic Jews, right? Yeah. Exactly. yeah. Oh okay. yes. Yeah.
3: Yeah. 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 yeah, And a pair of composers, um, first time feature film composers. They've collaborated quite a bit before, but one of them lives in Sweden. One of them lives in Kansas. They oh. literally never met in a room before. Whoa! They just have this long distance postal awesome yeah. service kind a of thing. recording yeah. relationship. <laughs> um, and they, it's like beautiful music Whoa. and. I feel like they were just outside of the industry enough, outside yeah. of L.A. maybe, enough yeah, to, yeah. to not find a way to get their music out there or to get the, get the score out there. So um, that was the first one that we released that wasn't our own thing. And we'd like to do more of that. That yeah. is very cool. Uh, say yeah. the name of that website again. Wayfind. Wayfind Records. Wayfind Records. is a little label that we've done that, again, we get our own stuff out there. And, and um, if anyone has a film-related the music project send it to us awesome right yeah. we will link to it and, cool. and you're
2: at blair bros music on twitter blair brothers blair bros music blair bros oh, oh on twitter or yeah. is it just blair bros it's just to... at blair bros yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking yeah.
4: of our website yeah you're right
2: BlairBrosMusic.com not... though blair, uh, brothers, uh, blair
4: brothers music we're not good at yes this. Yeah,
2: that's why we the shot thing. ourselves in the foot. <laughs> we with the got to get it better. Too, oh, so yeah. I feel we it. put a numeric two no, you, in our hands.
3: Your intro is out. great. Yeah. I was like, I know exactly what to do and where to look for That's good. Uh, yeah,
0: fit. Whenever we start them, I was like, you want to start it or I start it, but you should start it. Because <laughs> I, I will always <laughs> fuck
2: that up. I just like saying Bone Tomahawk at the uh, top. That's, that's my favorite thing. Wait, absolutely. so what did we miss about Bone Tomahawk? The opening was so incredible. Moving, I keep up. It just became
0: a thing that we repeated out of love for this movie that kind of surprises us if you've seen Bone Tomahawk. S. Craig Zoller, he's a novelist, heavy metaler turned filmmaker yeah. Mike Patton and, um,
3: No, 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 never mind. Got that mixed okay. up with something and, else. Well,
0: either way, he's just... It's this crazy Western movie that yeah. kind of becomes a different type of movie, but... It's got like a career best performance from Richard Jenkins. Yep. It's got uh Kurt Russell guy's name from Lost. He played oh, Jack. Uh, Matthew Fox. Matthew Fox. Uh, like uh, really just like showing up. Yeah. Like Kurt Russell good. bringing it. It's just this. He has uh, scripts that are filled with such great dialogue and yeah. characters that even though his movies are two and a half hours long, you just kind of get lost in it. in it. But yeah. they're they're like really yeah. stark genre pictures and they get yeah. real gnarly. They get gnarly as fuck. So and he the did block. Bump- he did cell, block well, cell, block 99, cell block 99 yeah that's his one right another one coming out what's the one coming out uh, it's called you dragged your face across concrete yeah, or like something, like <laughs> something like that something like that it's awesome. crazy but yeah. we did an episode on bone tomahawk and it was like a rough day and then bone tomahawk just brought like brought everybody together, yeah. and so we were <laughs> celebrating by just chanting and screaming, Bone bon Tomahawk, Tomahawk bon and it became part of the brand. So, yeah, so that's, that's, just that's how we intro every show, is Bone Tomahawk, Highly recommend, and, and interestingly enough, for the music of Brawl oh, yes. and Cell Block 99, he wrote all of the music, and then got 70s bands to play the music for. It's like the I OJs play I, would, watch I watched the that the other day, and I, I
4: was impressed to see that he was involved in the score. Yeah, I think he and one other guy... Um, You've seen Brawl? Yeah, I don't know if I... Finished it? I feel like I kind of fell asleep. You know if you finished yeah. it, dude. you I would know if you finished
2: that movie. I don't think I did. <laughs> I recommend finishing it. Yeah. yeah, highly. Yeah,
4: it's very like genre esque. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's in that world for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. But, but it's you a, see what we mean like his dialogue yeah. is just. Oh, and the music too. The music the is always back, like yeah. there's always like a little story. Like every, yeah. time, every time he's driving around, there's like a little. Yeah. Like here's the theme we're gonna talk about for four yeah. bars and yeah. Yeah, I
2: recommend both of those movies highly. He's yeah. he's a great filmmaker, uh, and uh, flute benders are our way of talking about Michael Fassbender <laughs> That's in all you. I don't Alien Covenant. Because Did you guys that. see Alien Covenant? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: I did. Uh, yep. <laughs> yeah. Michael Fassbender
2: teaches himself to play the flute. There's a scene where Michael Fassbender sits across I'm from sorry. Michael Fassbender.
4: They lost me. That. That's when I was like, yeah,
2: Oh, I was is, so
0: into is it. <laughs> it's like this weirdly like it's a highly it's sexual super. Scene, it is. It's weird. But it's it super. Time, it's Ridley Scott just yeah. being like, Oh, you want a movie? I'll make it, fuck a fucking movie. <laughs> 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 I'm 85. I don't get yeah. it. It's it's great.
2: He literally yeah, teaches himself to up. play the flute and then gets up and kung fu fights himself. It's the greatest back to back sequences in anything I've ever seen.
0: But like that is. Is just yeah. that is the most masturbatory yeah. shit I've ever yeah. seen yeah. from a filmmaker. It's beautiful. Yeah. So his name beautiful. is Michael Flutebender now. Michael Flutebender. Yeah. 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 This is uh, going off the rails. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> well, all our listeners are like, "Why are they doing this? We know this." Yeah, we're <laughs> very <laughs> aware of this. this yeah. We don't, yeah. Michael.
3: Michael Kung
2: Flutebender. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, Exactly. Thank you. Improved. Right on. This is how you guys get the jobs you get. Okay. Uh, I think so we can of get. Of course, yes, yeah, right? so you can yeah. find
0: us at I like two movie. We use the numeric two for at I like two movie on Twitter. Um, google us find us on itunes all of that fun stuff you can find it you can find me at dan scully on twitter Uh, i write for cinadelphia so check that out once again i remind you the cinadelphia film festival is coming up so check out uh, cinadelphiafilmfestival.com and, of course, com, where you will see pieces from Garrett and myself, as well as our illustrious uh, group of, of film writers that come in here. Yeah. And if I may make a recommendation, Please. there's a movie dropping next Friday that I think everyone should check out called The Cured. Mm. Uh, I watched that earlier this week, and it really threw me for a loop. Uh, if you think you've seen everything that can be done with a with a zombie movie, you have not. And this definitely validates its own existence by taking the zombie formula to a new level. So... You know, yeah. and I'm I'm tired of zombies,
2: <laughs> and this is probably the best movie I've seen this year so far. Ooh, so it's like shit. really good. Yeah, that's cool. Secured. Uh, my only movie recommendation is Mud. That's all I've watched recently, <laughs> no, right and on, it was man. very good. Thank you, gentlemen. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at filmadelfia. That's with an F. Uh, I write for Cinadelfia as well. I'm also over on Farsighted Blog, uh, where I will eventually finish writing about Herschel Gordon Lewis movies. Oh, one, yeah, day, I love those. one day. One yeah, day I'll wrap those it. up. Yeah, those are great. I got like three more to go. Uh, and uh, that's yeah, that's a because, Oh my god, I watched 15 Herschel, Herschel Gordon Lewis movies <laughs> he even last year. That many. No, he, I don't think Herschel Gordon Lewis has ever seen one of his yeah, own movies, if I'm being Final honest. Yeah, uh, anyway, uh, so yeah, I think that'll do it. Uh, send us an email, and let us know, uh, what you want us to review in the future, and um, you know, uh, find the Blair brothers and tell them how much you liked them here, and uh. We sign off every episode the same way. I think you guys will pick up on what we're putting down in a moment. My name is Garrett Smith, and I like to movie movie. My name is Dan Scully, and I like to movie movie.
3: My name's Will. I definitely like to movie
2: movie. <laughs> My name is Brooke and I like to movie movie. And we all know that you like to movie movie <laughs> because we <laughs> <You> like, like <laughs> to movie. <laughs> <laughs> right on, man.